Do not adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. That, my friend, is how you do a fade-in. I don't believe in fade-ins. How you do a fade-in. I do I do still wish I had the physical fader, though. That's something I'm really missing having. Maybe at some point I'll get a little bored, so I will be able to control it with a fader. I brought back the original way we did it, which is it just... Cuts off? Stopped. <laughs> I mean, I do have... Fades baked into the end of it. Yeah, I, I, just, but I was bringing back the original before you did, because for a while there you didn't. Yeah, I know. And it would just stop, and I brought that back. Cut off, man. Well, it's the Mark Order podcast here, episode eighty-seven, getting closer to ninety-six, nasty ninety-six. Are we going to make that a thing? I don't know. We'll see. I I don't think so. No. No. I think what people just really want is the return of the captain. He he will return when he is most needed. I don't know if that's something we can handle. I'll be honest. Here's the thing. He's he returns on a full night when we have a full cast of characters or at least 3. Okay. It's it's it seems like a shame to make only one person suffer through the captain. Yeah, you're right. And it is truly a suffer uh, through the captain because he can be insufferable, but you know, he just looks, the captain looks so good in his little hat in front of the fireplace with the robe. It's a good luck for the captain. He's a, he's a sexy motherfucker, but he just, like I said, I, I, more people need to experience my just would feel bad that one person had to take all that sexy. Yeah. Yeah. He is meant to be shared with a larger group. Um, so, uh, so it is uh, Wednesday night. It's the Mark order podcast episode 87. And, uh, it's the two live crew tonight. That's, uh, two for me, two for you over here. I didn't have the hands in the right place anyway. um, Welcome, everybody. Happy pre-Thanksgiving. We already have people checking in. Let's see. D'Lo Diggs saying, hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving. Uh, Mark D'Lo, Will, I agree. Mark Will says, looks like the elite isn't the only big return around here. Thank you, Mark Will. I know you're talking about me. I hope. Uh, Mrs. Money says, can I say I'm thankful for this podcast chat? That is totally no. allowed, Mrs. Money. No. Why? No. I don't know. Just shitting on the chat. Well, I mean, they, they do it to me, so it, it seems fair. Uh, Asian Joe says, I'm here for the hot turkey talk. I'm talk making the turkey. You're making the turkey? Are you making turkey the, this year? I make turkey for the family's Thanksgiving. Okay, so so let's dive right into turkey talk here at the top because it's, it is topical. 
Um, by the way, Mark Quill said he's ta- he's talking about himself, but I don't believe it. We know. Um, well, the elite is three people, so it's multiple returns. That's true. You know, Schlong, if we can get somebody to return here, it would be the elite of the Mark Order podcast elite. Maybe we'll have a surprise later. I don't know. We'll I, I would if, if if a surprise happens, then that is the elite. Oh, all right. So, Shlong, let's get the hot turkey talk right off the top. You make the turkey for your family's Thanksgiving. I do. I do the turkey. I smoke it. I'm a smoker. You smoke it? Yes. Okay. So, it, is your turkey going now? No. See, like, I'm not... I, 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 uh, I have two things. One, I don't use one of... I have a cheating, cheating version of a smoker. I have a Traeger, which means they have the pellets and it feeds in and you have, like... Got it. Because... I am not skilled enough to maintain like a consistent temperature with like the logs and stuff that people manage to do. Sure. 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 That's a level. But also I do the, um, the short and hot, the hot and short, hot and okay. fast. Um, okay. because it's just, so I'll only give it a couple hours, but it'll, it's still, I don't know. It has always worked really well. I've done them longer. And I think if it was, if we weren't doing other things, I might, stretch out the day but it's just use the grill to heat things use like because the smoker the nice thing is it's indirect heat so like you could put other things wrapped up in there to heat them so to take up all that time you know take up four or five hours for a turkey just seems to be a lot so i only do it it's about two two and a half hours okay not bad well that's good you know in it happens to be a coincidence. I'll be having smoked turkey tomorrow too, but it will be, uh, it is a, an ordered turkey. We're going to my sister's and she was like, I am not cooking. We're going to order this food. And it was my suggestion. <clears throat> and she went for it and I, you know, everybody was down for it, but there's a barbecue place up here. I'll plug them called red, white and Q. Um, which, it is a great name. He, he the guy was a veteran and he came back and started this business. Does a lot of cool stuff. He does like a feed feed the veteran program, you know, veterans eat free on Veterans Day and all that jazz. But his food is excellent and he does uh smoked turkeys for Thanksgiving, you know, you could pre-order and sort of cater the deal. Uh so we went with the smoked turkey this year. I'm I'm looking forward to it a lot. No turkey's very good. Like I said, I've done them low and slow, and I've done them. I, I don't mind short and fast. There's really not a ton of difference. Smokes just does something different than an oven. It's less dry of a heat. It's more, I don't know. It, it, it seems to keep things moist. I know people Ooh, hate that word, so. Moist. Um, I Usually I, I got, we we got pre-brined turkeys this year, so I didn't have to brine it, which I don't know if it's going to be better or worse. We'll find out. Okay. Saves you a little bit of time. It does, um, but we'll, we'll see. I'm only res- like I said, I'm only responsible for the turkey. I do once it's out of the once it's defrosted and brine. Well, it's already brined. Once it's defrosted, butter, salt, and pepper. That's it. Nice. So you just do the turkey. Uh, you don't do the sides. Somebody else is doing the sides. Oh God, yeah, my mom and sisters do the sides. Nice. Do you do the whole traditional? uh thanksgiving you do stuffing yams and like maybe maybe because i had a discussion about this tonight with mrs money we'll bring it up here do you do green bean casserole we do not do green bean casserole okay we do not do yams we do stuffing Mm -hmm. we do mashed potatoes regular white mashed potatoes yes okay we're irish so they are 
I understood. Like, my grandmother's off the boat, so it's like her recipe, um, which is really no recipe at all. It's just mashed potatoes. That's but um, sweet potatoes. Uh, ham. We do a spiral ham. Okay. Wow. Oh, spiral ham is so good. I don't uh, listen. I will never. I'll never fault you for having a spiral ham. It just seems like a lot, turkey and ham. It is, but like there's twenty something of us. Okay, so it is a big, it is a big party. And, and, and the funny thing is, that's just because my sisters now have kids and they're all grown. Like the kids sure. are older now, so you know, it's my my two sisters, both their families, and like two extra people. But like, but between that, it gets into the twenties, and now the kids are teenage. Like one's a teenager. Sure. They eat like houses now. Jesus Christ. So how big, by the way, and how big is the, the bird? Because two hours doesn't seem like a long time. They're two, five. Well, it's, it's a turkey breast because we go right for the breast. The full turkey gotcha. is just. Gotcha. It's good, but not enough people eat the dark meat in my family. So it mm-hmm. seems like a waste. So we got two five pound turkey breasts. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense too. Well, um, yeah, the reason I even asked about the green bean casseroles, because we saw a commercial, you know, during Dynamite tonight, there was some sort of commercial for Campbell's or something, and it was it had the green bean casserole. And I, I said to Mrs. Money, have you ever had a green bean casserole? Because I don't think anybody in my family ever made a green bean casserole. I think I might have had it once. Mrs. Money said the same thing. Maybe my might my, my uh, she said she might have had it once because they like asked her mom to their mom to make it. But like. I don't know if anybody here does green bean casserole. It's, I don't think it's common. At least not for me, not for you, it sounds like. Maybe it's oh. not a Northeast thing. I don't think it is. It's not. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever had it. I don't think I've ever even had it. It's literally schlong, I think, just green beans. You know, that I think you, I think you, you cook them like you boil them first to get them a little soft and then you bake them with uh, the cream of mushroom soup. And then you put some of the crispy onions on top, like the French's onions. That's it. It's nothing else. Yeah, no, I'm good. I don't need it. I don't either. I'm not really big at green bean guy. So like, I mean, I like green beans, but I like, well, see, now this is the thing. This is and an Asian Joe had asked, you know, uh, how's Thanksgiving going to go for Ant with his peanut-sized stomach? Um, so the reason I bring that this even up is like they tell me I can't, I shouldn't eat a lot of the vegetables like plain anymore. Or like, you know how usually I like to eat vegetables. Schlong is uh is is like steamed, but not so long that they're like really mushy. I like them still sort of raw, and like they tell me I can't eat vegetables like that anymore. So. Wait, really? Yeah, they told me I can't eat raw vegetables because like it that? could it could upset my stomach and it takes longer, I guess, to break them down. Oh, man, I would think vegetables would be like one of the few things you can eat. Actually, tell me to stay like to really stick to protein and stay away from a ton of vegetables because they're good for you, but they don't give you the protein you need. So you're just going to be eating meat. I mean, I'm a meat man. Yeah, you are meat, man. You're going to be eating. You might need to get a spiral ham. I'll tell you this much. Uh, Asian Joe, I I, uh, I will be sticking to the turkey tomorrow. I'll have a little bit of the other stuff, but it's going to be a quick it's going to be a quick meal. I'm, I'm a fucking lightweight now. Shlong, we're going to talk about our time to our time at the uh, pay-per-view. 
uh, and, uh, you know, uh, basically, so, you know, I had like three things and then I was done for the night. I was down for the fucking count. There was a period of time I was sitting there and I was like, "Uh Oh, this isn't, this is not good. Felt. I had a bunch of wings. Would have loved that. I had some chicken tendies. I had two. I think that's all I had. I think I had the wings and the chicken tendies. I had two tendies and one slider. That almost fucking did me in. I was very glad that I, uh, that I ate when I did. Me too. Me too. Because they went and they did not get refilled. And I was glad I ate. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about our time in the sweet life. I do want to close the loop on Thanksgiving schlong. Uh, we do. We do have a contingency of, of our group who is, uh, who is Irish. So we do do the plain mashed potatoes. My mom does the stuffing like Italian style with some of like uh salami and uh you know like sauce like little pieces of sausage I think in there too. So she does it like a Italian style. Um uh she does do uh uh the sweet potato casserole, you know what I'm talking about where it's mashed sweet potatoes with brown sugar and then the marshmallows on top toasted. Believe it or not, don't like it. Never been into it. It, you would think that it's something like as a kid you'd have and you'd love it because it's basically eating candy. Nope, not for me. Never liked it. So I have a confession. Yeah. One, I prefer sweet potatoes out of the box, that like glazed kind. And two, I prefer stuffing out of the box. I don't hate Stouffer's like stovetop stuffing. It's my mom would make it all the time, like as a side dish for like regular dinner, she will make the stuffing. If we're lucky once a year for Thanksgiving, that's it. But yeah, I I like my mom's stuffing. Uh, That sounds terrible, but I like my mom's stuffing. Uh, It it makes sense for Thanksgiving. Do you guys have desserts? There are desserts now. Now you'll probably enjoy this long last year. Uh, we were at my parents' house and I don't remember how we got to it, but we said, we want five pies. And we came up with five pies, um, that we said we need to have. And a number of them were going to be ordered, but we had picked out places where we knew let's order the pie because it's a, it's the place to go for a pie around here for this type of pie. And, I think it was my dad who said, I'll take care of it. And it didn't happen. Like he was just like, no, but it was too late to order the pies. And we were like, bullshit. You just didn't order the pies this year. We had talk of pie redemption. So here's, here's where it is long. We had netted out five pies. My mom agreed to make a pumpkin and a pecan pie. We don't, it's not pecan. It's pecan to me. I'm sorry. I know that's a hot topic too. Pecan or pecan. It's pecan. Um, I I don't even know. I I think I say pecan. I I do too. Uh, So those two are homemade. My mom's making them. Those are coming. Then we have, um, we had said we'll do a blueberry pie from a place around here uh, called, uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting the name of it. Mrs. Money, you're listening. Just put it in the chat. 
uh, a blueberry pie from a place around here. Raymond's. There it is. She didn't even put it there. I just remembered Raymond's uh, who has great blueberry pie schlong. It's not the blueberry pie where it's like the pie filling in a crust. It's literally you slice into this pie. It's just like fresh blueberry stacked up the whole way. It's a great fucking pie. That's the third pie. Fourth pie, an apple pie from a diner around here called the Ritz Diner. They were actually on um, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. That's right. Uh, And they've been known for their pie way before that. So did an apple from there. And then the fifth pie was going, you know, is a key lime pie. And my sister said, I have a place that I want to, uh, I want to get from Key West where my sister and her husband, I guess, uh, honeymooned in Key West. Unfortunately, there is no key lime pie. Yeah, I don't like key lime. You know, I like key lime. Um, I do like key lime. Um, my brother-in-law. Um, that's his favorite pie. So my sister really wanted it. I don't know why there won't be a key lime. So it's my understanding pie redemption is happening, but we are still down a man. We may have to try it one more time next year. My suggestion would always be just replace that pie with like a lemon meringue or a sweet potato, something I'll even take a peanut butter pie. It doesn't matter. I like pies of all sorts, except banana cream, not a banana guy. Love bananas, but I don't. So I know we have. Let me think. We have a caramel cheesecake, all from my my dad, and I can't remember the name of it. So I'm not even trying. My dad's one of my dad's good friends. His daughter owns her own bakery, so we got everything from her. Um, caramel cheesecake. There's a like a, I think an apple pie is obviously like a staple, so we get an apple pie. Sure, it's a harvest pie. Why not? Yeah. There's another kind of pie and I don't know. And then there's like a chocolate. It's not a cake, but I always feel weird being like it's a chocolate pie, but it, it's not a cake. It's closer to a pie than a cake. Um, Is it is it like a flourless chocolate cake, which is why it's like almost like a pie, like a condensed chocolate cake? You ever the best thing I could compare to is like a is like a bakery version of you ever get like the um like the Reese's pies? Yes. It's like a bakery version of that. It's like a much nicer, much fancier, better version of that. So, and I think there's some others like cookies or something. I I don't know. There's a lot of kids around, so there's going to be a lot of junk food for them to house after dinner. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to spend most of my time with the bird. Just going back through the chat, a couple things to close or to check in on. Uh, Gordon Post, do you make it on the side or in the bird? So, Schlong, are you having stuffing tomorrow? I am, but it gets made on the side. We don't. It put gets it made there. on the side. Normally, mom's uh, homemade stuffing uh, gets made made in the bird, so it gets all the flavor of the bird. This year, obviously, not happening because we're getting the bird from somewhere else. But I'll still eat it. Uh, look at Tony Z, uh, Shining Wizards Tony. He's so old, I can't believe he's awake. Uh, Pie Redemption. You're right, Tony. I'm surprised. Has he slept since the Wizards' 11th anniversary show? I have no idea. I haven't seen it or heard it yet. I heard it was great. I'll have to go back. This week has been hell for me. I'm going to advertise for the Wizards on this one. Go listen to their 11th anniversary show. Um, There are... I mean, first, just pump it up that they've done 11 years without missing and ever missing a week, which is just impressive. 
but also just hilarious. Good amount of different guests or one. I don't think you care about the surprise. It was a surprise for Tony. Do you care? It was uh, Bruno San Martino's kid, right? And the, and the guy running the documentary on Bruno. Right. I did. So, I did Tony hear about that. I did. Just so you know, Schlong, you know, Kate, let me know about some of the things, or I think she told you and I like in a chat or in a, she text, did. I just wanted some to, of the things. that was a neat moment. Cause you could see Tony's actual, like he had a real reaction, which was kind of funny. Well, he's very but old. Then Tony, I guess years. I don't know when he was doing this for the, the third podcast used to do liners as if he were the wrestlers. Yes. Whole, they went through like, they just did like 15 of them in a row. Some I, wish of the funniest bring, I wish he'd bring those back. Those are fucking. Well, I think he great. needs to make a cut of just those and release them. So we like he had one. He's like, I'm Matt Hardy of the Hardy Boys. And you're listening to the Shining Wizards. And then you have I'm Jeff Hardy of the Hardy Boys. And you're listening to the Shining Wizards. And right after that, we're the Hardy Boys. And you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all Tony's voice. Throughout. No, I'm Oscar, the Empress of Tomorrow. And you're listening to the show. If if somebody gave me all the audio, like if they gave me those audio clips. I that's an easy super cut to put together. You just take everybody going. I'm Matt Hardy. I'm Jeff Hardy. I'm Oscar, the Supreme entrance. Well, the, and you're listening to the shining. You know what I mean? Like when you listen to yeah, other like radio Kate had a bunch that she did super cut. Okay. But there, I don't even think she had them all because like, there's just so many of them. There were a lot. Some of my favorite ones are the guys who were, who were clearly dead. You know, I think he might've were... done one. Like I'm Owen Hart and you're listening to the shining. He did a few of the, the ones where you're like, this guy isn't around. Yeah. Um, but it's just so funny. So I, I encourage anyone to go listen to that show. Um, I encourage anyone to listen to them anyway, you know, but you got to help the little the, guys. Yeah. Especially the 11th anniversary where you can kind of get a little bit of a uh, walk down, you know, memory lane. I would say, go watch the YouTube version. Kate did a funny dark side of the ring, make fun of MBW thing. Yes. I did hear about that. So like there's there's a lot there. There there's you know. And apparently, Mr. Money, I got to say though you haven't been negotiating with Tony is what he says. And I'm a little upset about hearing that. Yeah, I heard about that in the suite too and I you know, I told him then you have the wrong your people have the wrong number. So I got to give me the right number and we'll we'll get in touch with the right people. I've been going through who I was told were his people and they're not his people. Clearly, they must work for the Midnight Jerry or one of those shows that's beaten down cancel culture 40 times. So I don't know. Uh, Asian Joe also said in the chat, uh, I make an apple bacon bourbon pie. That sounds delightful, Joe. And I would I would certainly uh, make that. You just drop the recipe in the discord. Well, Mrs. Money will certainly grab it and then I will try to make it. I can tell you this, Shlong. I prefer uh, baking to cooking because for me, baking is like an exact thing. You need to follow the instructions or it will get fucked up. See, that's why I don't. That's why I do. Because when people are like, put a pinch of salt, I'm like, what the fuck is a pinch of salt? You, you know what the difference is? Aunt, we have two different personality types. You're pretty yes. type A and I'm more type A. And I'm like... I like when I have some give on how what good and bad is like you can fuck up a meal slightly and people will still enjoy it and taste it. But you fuck up a cake. It just melts like yeah. as soon as you take it out. Like don't no. like it. But but Schlong, I'm also it's just the way I am. Like I am more procedural and I um 
I'm the type of guy who's like, if you give me a bunch of Legos, I'm like, what do you want me to do with this? Like, I'm not just going to build something. I'm the guy who buys the Lego set and builds the Lego set. According oh, well, to I do that. I do that, too. You know but I, mean? I do that because I find that's relaxing for the brain. So do I. But I find it a just, lot of stuff like that. Just follow the instructions. It, it's the reason I don't I like doing it for baking, but I I get stressed because it really is like hit or miss. Right. Like it, with cooking, you have again, you, you try some spice thing out on a piece of chicken. It might not be great. And that's fine. People will still enjoy it and eat it. But if you if you fuck up again, if you fuck up a cake, you can't eat it. Like it just doesn't exist. Right. Well, I will try that uh apple bacon bourbon pie, Asian Joe. Uh one of my favorite pies I've ever baked. Schlong, you might be into this. I've got to make it again. Uh I made an apple cheddar pie and it was homemade crust. So that I had to I handmade the crust and that's where you put the cheddar. The cheddar goes into the crust. Because you know like sometimes you get like uh you know like a fruit fruit platter and like it'll have fruit and cheese on it like usually cheddar and apple pair together. So it was a delightful pie. I believe it was a Martha Stewart uh recipe. I wouldn't think about it but it does sound good. It was the first it was one of my first dips into like making your own crust. Cause that can be a pain in the ass, but that was fucking excellent. And if you want to make the apple bourbon pie or whatever, you go to the shining wizards discord, which is we've kind of co-opted to also be the Mark order discord. And you go hang out with us there and hang out with us and our pals and some of the listeners. And you know, everyone's like, where do we go if Twitter melts down? Well, there's other places, but you can also go to the discord where true. you don't have nearly the trolling that you do on Twitter, except for Tony Z, but it's, a much funnier version when he trolls. He's a troll, that's for sure. And then I got to ask, Greg Cherry says he's watching this and doing fil some film study. What are you film studying, Greg? I, I'm legitimately curious. Like, Well, he said it's not us, so that's I good. I know. Because this but is I, a terrible I, film study. In my head, I'm picturing that episode of the Seinfeld with, um, that does they made fun of the Kennedy assassination. Back, but it's not the Kennedy. I'm just picturing the Seinfeld version. Back and to the left. The magic loogie right yeah i'm picturing that so oh man so schlong i uh moving on from thanksgiving and turkey talk i know i was telling you guys earlier today um because you guys have been texting back and forth and i just had been underwater this short week has been murder for me but i also had to buy two fucking tvs over the weekend and they came and installed the new tv today so it was nice to watch uh rampage on a large screen and uh with a premium sound so um that was you mean fun. dynamite dynamite sorry i keep i I'm, i bring up rampage because i actually think the friday afternoon rampage is a pretty good card um but you'll be Such able to find your time though jesus the fucking Christ. hockey man the hockey's crushing them i know i got a hockey game i'm going to at 5 30 that's why they're doing it at four. Cause I didn't, maybe that game's being carried on TBS, but apparently there's a hockey doubleheader on Friday. That's why they're pushed to four o'clock. So, um, but yes, uh, it was fun watching dynamite tonight. Uh, it, and we're going to talk about TNT and it is flyers are on TNT at five 30 flyers versus penguins on Friday. And that's the game I'm attending. Well, that's the first of a doubleheader on Friday. 
and we're going to talk about dynamite in a little bit, but Schlong, we want to talk about, uh, the pay-per-view, uh, full gear, uh, because we were actually at full gear in Newark, New Jersey. We were living that sweet life, baby. That's all you get when you're with the a show. That sweet life. Sweet life, Ryan and Ann. That's right. Uh, so we were in there with, uh, the shining wizards, you know, you got to pull up the little guys. Uh, and then uh, Bullet Club Rob and his crew were in with us, as well as uh, uh, Phil from the Turnbuckle Throwbacks uh, and his kid. And everybody seemed to have a really good time. It was a it was a fun night. Oh, I loved it. I mean, one everyone out there, if you ever want to hear, if you ever, if Ann ever says I'm gonna I'm gonna get a sweet a sweeter seats for an event, trust him because well, he delivered wholeheartedly. I will tell you this, Schlong. Usually I'm not the ticket guy because I have terrible luck with tickets. The last time I got tickets for Grand Slam, that was totally luck that those seats happen to be that good in that a position. The suite you can't fuck up because you get to like literally pick your suite. So like you kind of know where you're gonna be. Um the um but the the regular ticket guys, to be honest, I have to give all the credit to uh Matt. Uh, millionaire Matt is great at getting tickets <clears throat> and believe it or not, the voice, uh, th- not the voice of reason, Jesus, the doctor That's what he calls himself. Yeah, it's terrible. The doctor is, uh, is pretty good at getting tickets. Um, he tends to get pretty good seats for stuff, but Schlong, I'm glad I was able to deliver on this, but I can't take full credit because Matt did help coordinate with a larger group. I just basically booked the tickets and Matt, sort of help take care of the rest. And then I placed orders for some of the other stuff. And you know, because we're living that sweet life with the A-lists, we were catered. We had beverages. We had food. We had good company. It was a great night. It was a great night in the suite, but it was a great night. Um, it was a great night, um, you know, for for the show, bec- or not our show, but for AEW. Right the pay-per-view was excellent and the crowd was in on basically the whole thing. I mean, there were a few moments where the crowd got a little quiet. Um, but I think it's because of where things kind of happened in the card, right? I, I don't think it was because the match quality wasn't good. I think it was literally just the way they kind of set the card up. It was like build, build, you know, cool down and things just happened to be in the wrong spot, but the crowd was into it all night. Uh, and, um, and so were the people in the box with us. There was a lot of yelling and bickering and arguing, and it was a lot of fun. I will say this. Watching Tony troll Kevin, Tony and Kevin of the Shiny Wizards, watching Tony troll Kevin was one of the funniest things I've ever done. The scene, I mean. Tony is original internet troll, where it's like, yes. He he's that old. Things. He is the original troll. Yes, he's the original. And he doesn't take things too far. Everything's done in, with some fun. And like, he's smiling when he does it. So like, you know that it's a joke. Like, he's not trying to like attack you. Um, right. But that, I didn't know if I would enjoy that or not. Because you just never know how that's going to. And I ended up, it was hysterical. Because you could just watch Kevin getting annoyed at Tony. Just shouting, then watching Tony get into some of the matches for a, for a product he doesn't regularly watch. I think he's admitted that. Um, yeah, and also just 
listening to all his complaints about uh, the logic behind some of the stuff and what was going on was hilarious because you're like, these are all such old takes, Tony. Like, you got to get into the 21st century here. I mean, he had some, I will say, and I guess, can we just start on the card? Yeah, so let's let's run through the card. We don't have to... one of his reasonable ones is on the first match. You're right, and we're we're not going to stop and talk about everything schlong, but let's just run through it and give you know give whatever you want to give on it. We'll start with the because we were there for the whole night. Let's start oh, with right. the with the zero hour or whatever they call it, the buy in. Um, so there was uh, Orange Cassidy, Rocky Romero, Trent Beretta, Chuck Taylor, and a very evil uh, special. Uh, guest participant uh, against the factory. That was QT Marshall, Cole Carter, Nick Camarado, uh, Aaron Solo, and Lee Johnson. Uh, the best friends. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we should call them by their real name. Um, uh, chaos. Yes. I was about to pop myself. The original chaos wound up winning with help from uh, evil Dan Housen. So we saw uh, Dan Housen return much more evil. I really enjoyed that. The teeth are back. The spike is back. The blood is back. I really enjoyed this. I love the Dan. I, I actually like that alteration to Dan Housen because it's kind of like it, it, it doesn't it can't happen in the same match like it does with Orange Cassidy, but it's kind of like what they do with Orange Cassidy, which is like. Yeah, he's got his silly side and all, but he can ramp it up to be a real like competitor. Danhausen's is you cross a line and he becomes the very evil side of Danhausen, not just the very nice. I think that has a lot of potential for if you want to do anything with him in a more serious manner, he could flip that switch at any time and become I mean, it's still a goofball because he's got teeth and all, but right. He's just supposed to be a more sadistic version of the character. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and, you know, uh, the teeth were a gimmick. He was running for a while in ring of honor and it didn't sort of make the jump over to AEW. So it was nice that, that we saw it come back. Um, so that was a fun match and, and they sort of got a little bit of, of redemption. Uh, the second match in the zero in the, I don't remember if they called it zero hour or they did. They did. It was zero hour for this one. Okay. So in the zero hour, uh, we also had uh, our last match in the Rampage uh, side of the Eliminator Tournament for the world title. We saw Ricky Starks defeat Brian Cage. So the match was excellent. Brian Cage has been wrestling at a, a at a pretty high level for what I'm sort of seeing out of him lately. I love what they've been doing with Brian Cage. Um, this was a great spot to put him in, and this totally built Ricky Starks up again as sort of like the ultimate underdog and babyface, right? Cause he, he got attacked by Lance Archer was injured and wound up being a, a legit, you know, sort of injury. Uh, and then uh, he beats Lance Archer beats a monster beats a second monster in Brian cage. And then we get to the match tonight, which we'll talk about, but really building him up as that ultimate babyface we've been trying to see here. He, I mean, one of your Brian cage point is, is dead on. He's been really impressive since coming back. I, I still think he's ROH bound, but if he's wrestling at this level in ROH, he's going to really thrive there. Um, Ricky Starks is a star. I mean, there's just no, he got his music hits. The place isn't full yet. Cause it's zero hour. And listen, the lines to get in there, we didn't really go with one because 
we had some premium parking. But if you didn't have premium parking, it was a fight to get in that place. And he still made, to me, when you can get the cheers out of how not full it was yet, shows just how over you are. And he got mm-hmm. the cheers. He he is a stud. Well, we're going to talk about Ricky again tonight, because uh, again later on, because he had a match tonight uh, in the final against Ethan Page. So we will get to that. And the final match of the Zero Hour was Eddie Kingston defeating Ju Nakayama, and that uh, was a dream match for Eddie Kingston. You know, they did the tag match on Friday night. Eddie uh, and uh, Ortiz lost to uh, Ju Nakayama and um, uh, Takeshita, and they had officially uh, signed Takeshita. So, um, so they lost that match, but Eddie gets the win here against June. That was a big match for him. And then he cut a great promo sort of b- right before the show went off the air on YouTube to get people to buy it. Uh, so it was, a, it was a, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, again, uh, Eddie Kingston is just so over with the crowd, especially where we were too, right in Newark, New Jersey, very close to New York and where he's from. Um, but it seems like Eddie is over everywhere he goes. So, uh, no surprise here that, uh, he got the response that he did and great to see him get the win. Yeah. I got nothing really to add to this cause it's just an Eddie Kingston dream match. He cut a funny promo after because the way he transferred, he went from like practically crying, talking about his heroes to, oh, yeah, and buy this fucking pay-per-view was was great. Um, Fantastic. So then we get to what I want to talk about. Absolutely. Let's spend some time here. The first match of the night on the card leading off hot is Jungle Boy against Luchasaurus in the cage. Now. I get why they lead with this, right? You have the cage. You want to you want to use the cage right away and then put it back up top and be done with it. Part of me, Schlong, kind of wishes they put this somewhere else in, in the card. You know, like they could have bought the cage down, set it up and broken it back down and pulled it up at some other point in the card to sort of like slow things down right before you get into something else. But I didn't mind that they let off with this. Um I thought it was a I thought it was a good match. I mean, couple things for me before we get to what you want to say. Jungle Boy did defeat Luchasaurus. What I liked about this is it is it closes the loop, I think, right now on Luchasaurus and um and Christian, uh, because Christian did get involved. He stole the key, you know, from the referee, opened the door to get involved, whatever, but he's still injured. So I think that for this point in time, this is a great place for this match to happen because when he's healed, we're going to get the closed loop on Christian and Jungle Boy. I think they're sort of just in a in a holding pattern until he's healthy. So I think now is a good place that you end this story right now with Luchasaurus. And now let's move Jungle Boy on to other stuff until Christian is ready. Yeah, I mean, Jungle Boy kind of said as much in the, the press conference after where someone was smart enough to be like, what is this? He's like, this is the end of this, and I'll deal with Christian when he's back. And, and and it's better for Christian and Luchasaurus to let them go off and be heels to someone else. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the match. I'm with you. It seemed like I was shocked it was the opener. I think because it's a cage match, there's a lot of excitement to it. So they were trying, you know, you always want to start with a banger. Right. So this is one of those matches where Tony had two good points. And I'm not saying he, he had multiple good points all over the night, but like he specifically on this match mentioned two things from like, you know what? You're, you're dead on one. He didn't like that. They got out of the cage and started fighting outside the cage. Not going to argue because right. I'm with him. 
part of the reason I don't like WWE's cage match rules on one of those is because the whole point of a cage is you're trapped in here and it's to settle things. Right. I, I Tony actually on Monday night gave a very good explanation as to how WWE is supposed to work. It's probably the best I've ever heard. I'm going to give credit where like the, you know, the cage match, you're either, either the baby face is supposed to leave the heel lying in blood as he walks out the cage or the heel is so scared. He manages to escape like that's right. That's fair. But right. I still don't like it. I think a cage match should be settled in the cage. That's just me. I think that's why a um, WWE had to create hell in a cell. Even they understood you right. need a device where someone can't escape. Anyway. Right. And so they I make it the... and they make it clear too. I'm not I'm gonna let you get back to it, but they do make it clear in AEW that the cage match rules are win by pinfall or submission. You're not trying to escape. They're oh, trying yeah. to that... keep you in and, and resolve the issue. And that's what I prefer. I mean, sure. they're also hampered by the fact that they can't do a hell in the cell. Like, you're, you can't directly steal. So they have to. But the second thing he said was there was a – Jungle Boy did this giant pile driver on Luchasaurus, and it was this moment where, the like, he couldn't get him up. He couldn't get him up. And the whole crowd's behind him. This is late in the match. And he nails it. And it was, like, one of the biggest moments on match. And it was just a false finish. And Tony's point was – that was such a moment where, like, he fought so hard to get at the crowd. I mean, I will say I've never heard a crowd get that into just a pile driver. Like, it was so – it should have ended. And I am completely on board. Like, that that felt like the, the move that should have ended it. Now, I get that they did the table – the cage spot and the table spot, and I get why they did it. That is for the pictures and the and the and the – you know, the, the, the re- sure. replays and the clips. Sure. Listening to Jungle Boy's conference, uh, press conference after explaining to, to me the scariest thing about that, which is that table did not break properly. That table, he sure. came down on Wardlow, and it there was not a lot of give. Lucha. And the Lucha, sorry. He came yep. down on Lucha. And, and, sorry, I'm thinking big boys. And he came down on Lucha. So, you know what is Gordon put War Games in the chat? And I thought Wardlow, War Games. It, it just no, it's all head. good. It's all good. But anyway, he went down on Lucha, and he just didn't give. In the press conference, Jungle Boy explained that he thought Lucha be fur- he put Lucha further to the one side of the table so that mm-hmm. he'd be able to get his hip on there and really bring the table down. But Lucha took up the entire table. Right. So he had no room to put his hip. So it was just his elbow, which just doesn't break the right. And I and I think watching the replay there live, because they showed the replay, you know, on the on the screens. I, I think I even said the same thing. It's like I think he wanted to land on him a little bit more. And he couldn't. It was, you know, as much of his elbow and torso as he could, you know, uh, got onto it. Yeah, Luchasaurus is just such a big dude that he just did take up all the space pretty much on the table. And I'm not worried for Lucha in that case because he's just, I mean, the guy on the table take that. I was actually worried for Jungle Boy in his elbow mm-hmm. or shoulder even because, like, you're coming down and if, if it's there's no give, yeah, that's like a lot of but. But, I mean, I enjoyed the match and I'm glad it's, it's over. I think it's time for Jungle Boy to to get he was getting a push for a little while fans were really behind him and they kind of killed it a little bit they I'm, I'm excited to see what he does on a, on a singles run truly by himself where he can you know he has what he, they need for him to be a star he's good looking he's very good in the ring he's gotten better and better at talking which has been huge for sure um so i'm excited to see what he does on his singles run by the way um 
All good points, Schlong. Uh, by the way, if uh, if you're watching us on YouTube live and you have any takes on these matches that you would like to put in the chat, we're we're looking at the chat. So feel free to put your takes in. We'll pull them up. We'll talk about it uh, as we go through the card. Uh, if we don't get to it right away, we'll go back and sort of look through. So uh, if you have anything you'd like to say about this pay-per-view and the matches as we go through, please feel free to throw them in the chat. We'll uh, We'll shout you out. Unless you disagree with me, then I'm going to yell at you. Yeah, and we're not going to talk about it at all. <laughs> um, so that was the that was the start to the night, hot start. Then Schlong, I was very surprised. Second match, Death Triangle versus the Elite for the AEW Trios uh, World Championship. Now, I was just shocked that this happened because this match got such a reaction when they finally said it's going to be the Elite. Now, I couldn't figure out if it was just like they wanted to do it, you know, early in the night because it was something that so many people were hot on seeing and they didn't want to delay it. Or if they felt like this was just the right place to put in the card. But to me, ultimately, didn't fucking matter. Uh, Death Triangle wound up defeating the elite. Uh, We saw the hammer come into play again. And actually, this time it was Phoenix who used the hammer to get the win uh, for Death Triangle. We do find out later in the night that um, because of the way that match ended, that they were going to extend this to a best of seven series of matches for these titles. Uh, So. um, So it was, uh, you know, that was given to us much later in the evening Uh, and they're live schlong like we we obviously don't hear commentary. Right. So we just saw it come up on the screen. Uh, but apparently at home, they did, you know, kind of say because of the events that transpired during the match, that's why they were going to extend it. So finding that out even later in the night, I was super excited because after that match, who wouldn't want to see subsequent matches? And I'm sure that Omega and the Bucks just coming back uh, from their uh, time off. Uh, they really want to probably be in the ring with high-level talent having good matches. So what better way to than have a best of seven series? Also, it gives them, from my perspective, from a programming perspective, it gives you something big to at least offer on all these uh, shows down the home stretch in December. And those could be weeks where it's hard to pull people in. At the very least now, you say, hey, the Bucks and Omega – and Death Triangle are going to be on your TV every week. So uh, I just thought this was a, it was an incredible match. And I don't think I don't think that they um, missed on anything that they were hoping to deliver. Uh, also awesome that they were able to secure uh, the rights. Asian Joe said it in the chat. I'm happy that TK uh, helped give the band Kansas a payday. It was great that they were able to get uh, carry on. Uh, by Kansas to uh, to be the music. And, you know, there were a lot of rumors that they were only going to use a song once or maybe they were going to use it more. We did. We do see them again tonight, obviously, in the second match of the series. They did use uh, Carry On again. So it seems like maybe they're going to use Carry On by Kansas as their trios entrance. And I guess when the Bucks have a tag match or Kenny has a singles match, they'll use their regular music. Yeah, I'd be cool with that. That'd be a neat way to differentiate between the elite as a trio and just Bucks or Kenny. Uh, I I'll get to the match in a second. The thing I like about establishing it as a best of seven already is that you're ha- yeah they're gonna wrestle seven times, which is great. But if you just have them wrestle seven times, 
and then afterwards go, oh, that was best of seven, or like never acknowledge it, then it gets annoying because it's like it's repetitive book repetitive booking. But now when you say this is a best of seven series, you can tell a story. You have you tell a story in an individual match, and then you tell the story throughout the, the series because it's gonna go seven. If it doesn't go seven, you've wait, I think you waste time. Like and it's sure, give me seven matches and, and tell and the story throughout all seven. What's great too, Schlong, is they're making sure to say in everything, like if needed, like if this oh, gives it the sports feel, yeah, it, which is great because a lot of times that sort of like gets lost or never makes it you know, to commentary, like they're just like, it's a best of seven. But like when you start saying things like if they need a fifth match, it will be on this night, you know, like um, it does make it seem like a, a real sporting event. And we're going to talk about this, that match, the second match uh, later on uh, when we talk in dynamite. But I think we sort of can start to see this long story they're telling, but I agree with you a hundred percent. They're telling stories in the match and then they're going to have a, an over arching story, I think to what they're going to show throughout the seven, if they go seven. So I think they put this second on this card for two reasons. Well, really it's, it's the same reason they wanted. I'm, I'm thinking normally this is a first card match, the card type, like it's so good. Like tonight, they put it on the turnover at nine o'clock. You would traditionally put so you open a pay per view with it, or you put it on a turnover. I think the problem is you were going to put Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy on early. You cannot have a cage match follow the tri- that that match because it's it, you can make the trios match follow the cage match because people are so excited for the elite to be back. It's much harder to do the reverse, no matter what Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy do, because just the the emotion. So I think that's probably why they went second. I mean, it was incredible. I, I'm excited to watch these guys wrestle seven times. You're talking six of the best talents in the world. Six similarly built, six through two similarly built, similarly built teams of six guys. You have your like high flyers and and the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, and you have your high flyers, but like single stars in Omega and and Pac. It's incredible. So I'm I'm very, and we were all surprised that they lost. So I'm, I was very excited. Yeah. This, this night had a couple surprises, and I'm good with all of them. One is growing on me. I'm not sold on it. It will get there. Um, but, yeah, th- this was a lot of fun, and I'm tonight's was just as fun. So, And we'll talk about tonight's match, but Gordon Post does say, I hope that some of these matches have stipulations like a cage or maybe a ladder match if it goes to a seventh. I think we can get there and we're going to talk about it. And I think that makes sense because of the story that they're starting to sort of tell. Um, So it's possible and I wouldn't hate it, but I don't want it to feel gimmicky if they do something like that. You know what I mean? Like I just want to sort of feel natural in like the progression of the matches. Yeah. I think when we get there, I'm with you. I think there's this, there's going to be a reason to go that route and they're kind of establishing it. Sure. And to your point, too, about I think we all thought the Bucks were going to win these titles. I think I think a lot of people were sort of thinking, well, they've been using the hammer and Phoenix is the guy who's saying we don't need to use the hammer. And then, you know, maybe that was going to be what cost them. And then, you know, ultimately you sort of break up death triangle didn't happen. He gave in. So, you know, we'll talk about it later on. It's just a very interesting way that they that they are doing this. And I, I don't. I don't mind it. I don't hate it at all. Third match of the card uh, was Jade Cargill defeating Nyla Rose to rightfully take back her um, TBS title. Um, So 
a couple things here, Schlong. Didn't hate the match, but I don't think we're still seeing... I think we're seeing a progression of Jade. I still think she needs more, a little more time. And I know she's 42-0, and 0, right? But you're not going to have this be your first loss against Nyla Rose. Unfortunately, Nyla Rose ultimately doesn't come through in a big spot again. And the biggest thing I feel like I heard all week was that people were saying the crowd was dead or the crowd was non-existent for this match. Well, two things. When you sort of look at the makeup of this card, you had a cage match. And then the trios match. The crowd is a little bit burnt out at this point. Not burnt, but like we're spent. You just had two amazing matches. You're a little bit, you know, gassed out at this point. So I think that affected the crowd. And also, when you look at sort of what's left to come in the card, people had to get food, go to the bathroom. Maybe they want to shop for merch. Where else are you going to do it? If this is going to be the point, maybe this is where you're going to do it. And it's not a knock on the match or the two wrestlers, but uh, of all the matches in the, on this card, this one was the the most predictable and the worst way. Right. You know, I we, we always say on here, and I hear it said other words. Predictable isn't bad if it's good. Well, this is this is bad predictable, and I, and I feel bad saying that, but Jade's run has become stale because there's yeah. just never there, you don't at any point see who's going to. I love Jade. Jade's a great talent. It's not a knock on her. It's the booking around her. Where you're like, someone, it's becomes, it's the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Some, so that being said, so that's why, like, I think people were like, well, I know how this is going to end. I can go do this thing. It's, you know, even though I thought there were a couple predictable things, I was wrong on those predictable things. No one would, there would never, there was no chance in hell Nyla would win. That being said, I enjoyed the match. I liked them stealing each other's finisher, there's each other's moves and, and like, it was it the perfect match. No, they could have shortened it by a few minutes. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think this the only thing I really like coming out of this feud is what it did for Nyla. I think it finally let Nyla be Nyla in a, in, in a good way of like, she's always been funny, but she got to be a lot funnier in this feud. Right. While still being a threat. But if next week we have another, and I don't care that I'm, doing the boat it fits here and since it's such a throwaway segment yep. on the tv and we still have to establish one part of it but if next week we have another jade celebration and we don't get a legitimate challenger what are we doing now we all know it's, it's not going to happen until she gets close to 50 like that's you don't put someone in the 40s and not let them get close to 50 but at this point i'm getting it's not on her i love her i want her to Get it out of the. I actually think it's hurting her at this point. Yeah, lose, lose the title, and get in, become interesting again. Right, and I mean, like I said, I I don't have a knock on on Jade either. You know, I think she's got talent. She's got the look. She's got like the it factor you'd want out of a, a female star. I just do think she needs a little bit more training. Like there are some times where I wouldn't say she looks lost, but you know, like. Just things don't look all the way natural, right? And I, I just think it comes with time. They don't, but I also feel like if she were in interesting feuds, it wouldn't matter. Right. No, like I don't disagree Ni with that. If you thought Nyla might beat her, and I, and I maybe not this feud, but she, we'll go Athena, you know, someone who would like, you know, if that feud had been more interesting, and and I don't get not blaming them, I'm blaming the build for it, but had they built that better where like it was built over weeks and weeks and you were you really thought... 
the match could have been a little clunkier, but you'd be so invested into every second that what would happen with it. What's happening now is we know Jade's not going to lose. So the only thing you're invested in right. is the quality of like each move. It's right. not a, it's not a good way to do it. But this, by the way, confirms my theory as to why they put the young bucks in the elite second instead of first, because following the elite was going to be death to whatever match that was. Yeah, no, you're right. It was a tough spot for them to be in. You know, they definitely, um, you know, they showed up and performed and, um, you know, Again, it's just unfortunately what you followed, right? You followed a cage match. You followed the elite return in a in a hell of a trios match. Anything you were going to put there was going to suffer. And you this put the most predictable card on the match. And then at that point, like you said, people were like, well, there is no doubt. I can miss this entire match and I know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to go do something. It's, it's not the women's fault. And it's not the audience's fault. If this had been... I mean, I know this is going to... People are going to... They have a similar issue with Roman Reigns and WWE, but this would be even worse if it was Roman Reigns versus someone you knew there was a 0% chance could beat him. It's the same theory that people like just don't pay quite as much attention to it. When you know there's zero chance. Well, I don't disagree, Schlong. I think it was just uh, where this fell. And uh, we're going to talk about Jade Cargill a little in a little bit as we get to Dynamite tonight. Next match we get is Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson versus Claudio versus Sammy Guevara in a fatal four-way for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Chris Jericho winds up defeating the the rest of the field to retain uh, his title. The Ocho, uh, you know, holds his title. And then we find out later in the night that he was going to defend it tonight against uh, Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, You know, so we'll talk about Jericho again. But this match was another just, you know, just crazy, fantastic match. Um, you know, listen, uh, they said it tonight on commentary and you could argue this is maybe one of the best years Jericho's ever had. What a run. And uh, Rick Abani did call it out tonight, too, that Jericho has had the most title defenses in a short period of time for Ring of Honor. I think there's only one other guy that had this same amount of uh defenses in this amount of time so um just kudos to jericho for continually showing up and doing what he does but the quality of matches he's having too is is just not suffering no matter who you're putting in the ring with him i mean you'd almost say like is it possible to have a bad match with danielson and claudio and even sammy guevara as much as we love to hate on sammy sammy's great in the ring right uh, we hate Sammy for some of the other stuff, but you know, this was a, a really fantastic match, a lot of fun. And I think there were a number of people who thought that Jericho was going to lose this title. Personally, I was like, there's no way he's losing this title till death before dishonor or, or whatever final uh, battle, final battle. Sorry. I can't remember all their fucking pay-per-views, but final battle, I think is going to be the place where Jericho loses it. I think it's just going to be a matter of who the opponent is, but which I think we found out tonight, sadly. Yeah, I think we might have found I'm out. Not I'm not thrilled with that call. We can, When we get there, we can talk we'll about it. We'll talk that. about it. But, but what do you think, Shlong? I knew Jericho would win, but this wasn't... But unlike the Nyla Jade thing, there was enough... There was a seed of doubt. Like, they've done enough weird things in this this booking that I could I could have seen 
Danielson or, or actually I saw I, I saw Guevara taking it even a little bit like I like why was he in the mat like there was enough seated out there for me to be like unlike Jay like but I I know people have issues with Jared like I know ROH diehards have some issues with Jericho having the title and it's tough because until they have actual TV it, this all feels weird and fake in some ways but he's actually great for this title in a lot of ways. He's a bona fide star. He's putting on classics. He's putting on ROH style matches. Like these aren't these aren't matches that are ridiculously overbooked or have these weird like these are just good matches. I mean, they have they've had cheating moments and stuff, but ROH had that. These sure. are but he he is to me been just as good for this belt as anyone could have, and he's got a story behind it. And and I'm really excited for I again. We'll get to the opponent issue, but I'm excited for final battle. And I think what I think the JAS is a big reason for that because they've told a story of like, we're trying to destroy ROH, which gives me some hope to what they can do. I want to bring up a comment real quick because I sure Agent Joe saying about Nyla Rose saying her position on the roster feels a lot like Natalia's in WWE, a strong enough contender used to prop up others. That's 100% accurate. Natalia. Except Natalia, former champ, and then after that was just like, well, now you have the accolades to be a former champ, so we'll make you seem a threat, but you'll never actually get to do it. And it just sucks because Nyla deserves, so does Natalia. They deserve better than that. But anyway, back to our match. This was, I like the story. I like how Jericho blew off the Guevara thing after. I thought that was fine. Yep. Uh, and that was a great part of the whole, I don't mean to cut you off. I actually wanted to bring this up. So I'm glad you did. I really like the storytelling they did with the two factions, right? Where, you know, the first sort of breakup you see breakdown in that match is between Danielson and, and Claudio, right? Like those two eventually find themselves against each other and they, they go for it. Like no questions asked. They know what's on the line. Fantastic. Then we get the breakdown between Sammy and and Jericho, where Sammy pulls Jericho off the pin and then that breaks down. So it really became a, a true fatal four way at that point. I, I really thought they did those well, uh, and it just really made it didn't make this feel like a like a tag team match where it's just like a tornado tag or something like that. You know, I thought they really did this all really well. It makes the belt feel important when a guy like Sammy is willing to betray Jericho to win it. Yeah. If if Sammy had worked only to help Jericho, it doesn't feel important because why wouldn't Sammy want to win it? But the fact that he was willing to, within the match, betray him to win it felt great. And then after, you don't need it to be a long story. Jericho goes out and goes, no, I know why he did it. I'm proud of him. And... Because Jericho at that point can be magnanimous. He won. Sure. He can be forgiving. So I had abs. I loved, like you said, I'm with you. I love the way they, they let all four guys really want to win because that makes the belt feel important. When, when, Absolutely. when guys are willing to break up a relationship, like a, a friendship over it shows the importance. Like if Sammy had just been like, no, I'll, I'll lay down and let Chris win makes right. it feel cheap so i'm glad they didn't go that right. route fantastic match um and definitely i mean we're talking sort of through a few of these i mean you should if you haven't seen this pay-per-view you should certainly check it out there is enough on this card that you should 
you know, watch the replay. So if you haven't seen it, you know, you should definitely try to check it out. Uh, after this, we go to Soraya returning after uh, being out of the ring for like five years uh, against Britt Baker. She winds up defeating Britt Baker. Um, and there was a lot of criticism around this match. Um, you know, one of the big things that we had heard was, you know, Soraya didn't need to win this match. Britt could have won this match. You know, Britt sort of became the babyface because of the way Soraya was giving her promos and what she was saying. And I, and I hear that. I just don't think you can give Britt Baker the win in Soraya's return um, because that's not how they're going to work it. The other thing, Schlong, and I have to give credit where credit's due, and I often don't sort of agree with his takes, but um, I was heading to the gym late Monday night and I had my XM or my Sirius on and I heard a replay of Busted Open. They were talking about this. I got to give Bully Ray some credit here. Uh, because, um, at first I didn't have a problem with what happened with Soraya. She takes that first shoulder bump or she takes that charge from Brit and she goes down and she's grabbing her neck and she's really, you know, I, I don't know about you Shlong in the box. I really was like, Oh my God, is she really fucking hurt? Like this is terrible. Yeah. And then she sort of slowly got up. She was moving her arm and then she jumps up like, ah, everything's good. You know? Um, Bully Ray's take was you could have told this a little differently and made it feel more important rather than just like a quick joke. Like Bully Ray actually said, maybe what you do is she goes down and they have doctor, the doctor come in and check her out and say, you know, no, we're not taking any chances. We start to bring her up the ramp. And then she says, no, 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 fuck it. I'm going to risk it. And I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go back into the ring and have, have my match. I wouldn't have minded that. And that moment wouldn't have seemed so like sort of awkward in this match. It's not that it felt awkward. It just was kind of like here and gone, you know, it was sort of like a forgettable, you know, kind of moment once they get into the match and they had a good match. I do feel like Soraya definitely gassed out a little bit. You know, she hasn't been in the ring for a long time. Maybe they could have shortened this match and had it a little more crisp. But both both ladies really did a good job here, in my opinion, and this was an entertaining match. So I have a couple of things. One, this match was the, the placement on the card to this match, absolutely no favors. Coming right after the four-way, again, it's it, after and that four-way was super exciting because by the end of that four-way, it was big move after big move. It, it was so it's very tough. I think because I, I had seen some comments, so, you know, the crowd was quiet for this, or I think between that, and I also think the story they told, I think people were a little scared. I think there was a little bated breath with her, a little bit of like, we need to see her get through the match. I, the only, I get what you, Bully Ray said. I kind of get where you're coming from. The only reason I never had, I didn't have a problem with, I mean, I really enjoyed this match. Let me go over that. But the reason I didn't have a problem with that moment is it felt it felt like something I, I think I would all, like I could almost see myself doing. You take a hit, you're almost expecting to be in pain because it's your first hit on this body part and how long. So you're down there and I'm saying you're like, wait a minute. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm so that's why it didn't bother me. I I I've take I mean, you take I've taken hits before where I thought I should be hurting and you're not. You, you kind of like you know, pop up and go. So, but I, I I'm not also faulting him for maybe making 
maybe I don't know if I would have went the full up the ramp, but maybe you drag it out a little bit where like or make a bigger deal out of it. Like right. where she's where she's testing herself out. I think another I, I really enjoyed this match. I think this was a story match. This was a match where the story was Britt was being really smart. Britt was going right for Paige's neck all match. And Paige was just trying to survive in her first ring rusty match back. I think that was a great story to tell. I really enjoyed it. And, and Britt had to lose. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's two things I want to point out here. One, you don't, Britt can take losses now. She's been built up so strong that she can take losses and it doesn't matter. That's why you build people up to be a certain level because then they can take any loss you give them and no one cares. No one's ever going to doubt that she's she's championship material now. Like she, everyone knows it. The second thing is, people treat Paige like she's like a forty-five-year-old wrestler. She's younger <laughs> than Britt. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that like oh, Britt's put needs to put over the kid, but I'm saying like, in theory, they both have a similar length of career. Probably Paige a little shorter because of the injury thing. Yeah, but they both have years in front of them on this career. So you're not putting. Britt's not putting Paige over for a two-year run. That's not going to help anyone. Like the theory, like this should extend out. But I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I like the story. I think Britt comes out looking really good in this, both in real, in the real world, because she was Paige's first match and Paige was fine, and like that's always a good sign. And I think even in the AEW world, where like Paige is viewed as like that legend status, again, even though she's only third, Paige is kind of like um. Danielson in a lot of ways, yep. but younger, much younger, but like, it's okay to lose to that level. You, st- she competed with her. She was there with her. Like that was, and she has a ready made championship story, ready to be told for her. Yeah. And, uh, I think we're going to talk obviously about tonight. I think the loss can work into a story that they're hopefully going to tell sort of That's down what I'm the saying. They, they have a story they're ready to tell that I'm all for. So let's keep moving. We have the triple threat for the uh, TNT title, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, and and Samoa Joe. I think this was a shocking moment in the night for uh, all of us. Samoa Joe winds up defeating Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs. Now there was, um, there was, you know, some foul play. Uh, You know, Joe did use the belt. While war from behind on Wardlow when he was going for the powerbomb symphony on uh, on Hobbs, uh, so he's able to use that to get the win. But again, it's a it's a triple threat, sort of anything goes. Um, and now uh, Samoa Joe is a dual champion. He's the the Ring of Honor TV champion, and he's the TNT champion. So it was shocking to me. I just really didn't think they were going to take this belt off Wardlow uh, because Wardlow's so over. You can argue he doesn't need a belt because the crowd is really into Wardlow. But I'm also not sure what they're going to do with Samoa Joe, right? Like maybe I think now you can maybe say Samoa Joe's going to lose this title, lose. The, I'm not not this title. I'm sorry. Lose the Ring of Honor TV title at final battle because, you know, they got to put that title on the line. So it's possible he loses that. And now maybe he's really spending all his time in, in AEW as opposed to like bringing the belt around for ring of honor, because hopefully we get some news on ring of honor television after that pay-per-view. But I just, this was shock. It was shocking to me 
but I think there's still a lot of story to tell. Again, we see Wardlow tonight in a vignette. We'll talk about it. Um, so there's still a story there between him and Joe because Joe, you know, turned on him and then used the belt to win. And there's still this story with Powerhouse Hobbs, right? Like because he didn't he didn't take Hobbs out, you know. So there's still a lot of meat on the bone here, if you ask me. It was just a shocker to see they actually gave the belt to to Samoa Joe. Didn't hate it, but it was just a surprise. So I thought Hobbs was going to win. That was my pick. I thought they were going to take the boat, the belt off of uh, Wardlow because he doesn't need it and he's doing nothing with it, to be quite honest. So I thought Wardlow will go to his story, especially with MJF winning. You have made, you have just made for TV feud right there, um, and then you can let Hobbs wrestle regularly with the belt. I thought that was the way they were going. So I was shocked. Did we know this wasn't anything goes match? I don't think it was explicitly said anything goes and I don't necessarily, I'd have to go back and look and see if anything goes, but it's a, it's a triple threat match. That, that's not one and the same though. Cause triple threats no, I know. do have disqualification stuff. Oh, I know. The reason I asked that is because it just felt weird. Like the belts out of nowhere. Like I, I guess if the ref, I mean, it didn't make the ref look dumb, which is nice. Cause AEW does that a lot. But part of me is like, I'd almost rather the ref look dumb and not have seen it than have to go back and be like, when did when did this rule change happen? I mean, I'll right. get over it. I think part of me, and I'll say it now, what thing I think if we are going to see the belts realign. No, again, though, based on Jericho's opponent, I don't know. I was about to say, I, I think we're going to see the belts realign for ROH at Final Battle, which will be the setup for TV, because then you'll have you know, belts on guys who might be more ROH oriented versus right. Um, AW, but again, Jericho's opponent, well, who I think his opponent is going to be, doesn't necessarily lend me to believe that. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm good with, I'm good with seeing where the story goes. Samojo is awesome. So the more I see Samojo, I'm not the happier I am. Sure. But, I, I did. I was kind of cheering for Powerhouse Hobbs because I thought he could. I thought he could do them. Well, the only thing I will say is, so, Samoa Joe, as pure TNT, get rid of the ROH for a second. He is a guy who can bring back almost like that weekly challenge thing, as like a heel. It's like right. you come out and see if you can take this from me, and they can't. And that would build him up until you get a returning Miro, which I still have him feuding with MJF, but that's a whole other story. But sure. I, you would get a returning Miro to take it from take it from joe well we'll see how the story plays out and there's a few different ways it can go we're going to talk more ring of honor later because we have the ocho um uh, but following this match we get the jeff jarrett and jay lethal versus sting and darby allen match to nobody's surprise i don't think sting and darby allen are able to get the win and uh this was a match where you know everybody comes out of the gate hot and they're fighting through the crowd and you know uh, we get crazy Sting doing his crazy shit. Um, listen, I didn't have anything, nothing wrong with this match. It was exactly what I thought we were going to get from Sting and Darby Allen and Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. The biggest surprise to me was Satnam Singh because he just did exactly what he was supposed to do. And none of it looked awkward. None of it looked weird. He was just out there to be a big dude, kind of catching bodies and stuff like that. 
you know, I didn't have a problem with this schlong. Uh, this is, it went the exact way I thought it was going to go. Sting and Darby Allen come out winners. They're on to something else. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal are on to something else. We'll talk about them again later, um, which is hilarious. But um, I didn't have a problem with this. I thought this played out fine live. I think a lot of the crowd really was just into seeing Sting. I mean, I love Sting, so I, I'm happy anytime I see him wrestle. This match was one of the few times in wrestling where wrestling logic, where logic was starting to take me out of the match. And the problem, and and it, and I'm my rule with logic in wrestling is I'm will I will forgive almost anything so long as it make like so long as it exists within the rules you've established of your universe. And Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt were getting involved constantly, but then they would just stand by the ring and watch. And then they'd get involved again, and then they would just stand and watch. And my whole argument is, why are they ever stopping? They should literally just be like, it, they were never put down. Like if Sting had got his baseball bat out and put those two down so they couldn't get back up, but they were standing there watching as things were happening. I'm like, they should be beating up Sting more. They should be up Darby, Darby out. Like it just that took it really it really took me out of most of this because it was just so blatant to me to be like, I just watched Satnam Singh and Sanjay beat this guy up, and now they're just gonna stand by the ring and watch. Right. It just that, that was one of the times where it's like it, it violates your own rules of, of wrestling logic. And and I I struggled then. Like you just have to obey the rules you've established. So if they had if they had even done the thing where like they beat them up before the match started, and then once the bell rung, they laid off. But they didn't because it wasn't that kind of match. There's no DQ. So like, right? Sting should have taken him out. Sting should have got his bat, taken him out. You could have been like, those two are down and out for the count, and then you have your match. Or even steal the guitar and use it on you know one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I didn't have, I mean, listen, I understand a hundred percent what you're saying with the logic and it does become tough too, when you start a match out and you're on separate ends of the arena and then eventually everybody gets to the ring and you have a regular sort of tag match. You know what I mean? Tagging in and out. Like, Why why are you tagging? Yeah. Just get in the ring. Just do it. Shlong, we move on to the women's interim and I say interim because that's what this match was at the time. We will talk about that. Uh, match, uh, Jamie Hader versus Tony Storm, and in what I would call a shocking moment for me, maybe they saw something coming, but uh, Jamie Hader wins, uh, and is the new interim women's champion, uh, in Ring of Honor. Listen, I don't have a problem with it, it was just surprising because I think we thought it was going to go another way, they were going to sort of hold on until we could get this unification match and again we're going to talk about this a little later on because i have a few questions for you on this one schlong but um jamie hater deserves what she got you know she she's over with the crowd the crowd was way behind jamie hater uh i think the crowd really is into tony storm too but this is jamie hater's time you know and uh i was happy to see she won a little surprised like i said but this was a fine match, a really good match. Two good competitors who know each other. Uh, and uh, kudos to Jamie Hayter and looking forward to her uh, title run. So this felt like the one of the first times Tony Khan went with like the hot hand. Usually he doesn't do that. He, almost sometimes to, to, to the benefit of AEW, sometimes to the detriment. 
You know, sometimes you don't jump on the hot hand because it ruins a better story. Sometimes you really should just because it's what the fans want. And Hater was what the fans wanted, so he said, you know what, let me go with it. I mean, I'm assuming. I, I don't think Hater never felt like she was a long-term booking there. It, it was weird because she was so cheered, but Tony wasn't booed. Like right. Usually when the crowd's really behind someone, the other person gets booed. But like you said, it almost just felt like, well, we really love Tony, but we think it's Hater's time, so we're just going to cheer her more. They protected the shit out of Tony Storm because she took cheating after cheating to survive. But I'm okay with of that course. because you want to protect her. It doesn't make Hater look weak because Hater's a heel. This is perfect. I really, I really enjoyed it. I, I think that was one of the most fun moments of the entire night because the, the arena went fucking wild. I mean, that was what they wanted. And it's leading, we'll talk about it, but to me it's leading to a story I really want to. For sure. I really want to, yeah. For sure. Uh, we're almost through this card. We got the Acclaimed versus Swerve in Our Glory for the third match in their trilogy. The Acclaimed wind up defeating Swerve in Our Glory to retain the titles. The big news here is that at, one po- at the end of this match, Keith Lee turns his back on uh, Swerve and says, you know what, you do this on your own. And it eventually leads to them losing the match. Um, listen, Bowen's in his hometown, you know, at home in New Jersey. Uh, you know, the acclaimed is over like Rover. Uh, Swerving Our Glory still, you know, putting on a strong match. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Bowen's shoulder was, you know, part of the story. And, uh, you know, throughout the week, you know, he had kind of alluded to the fact that his shoulder wasn't feeling good and, you know, he came out taped up and everything. And that was part of the story. I love that. Um, it was a good match. Listen, it's just hard to, when you had, when you've had essentially two classics in the can, it's hard to continue to have those types of matches, right? Their first match at all out was amazing. Their second match where they won the titles at, uh, full, uh, not full gear. I'm sorry. At, uh, Grand Slam was fantastic. And then we have this as the trilogy. I think, honestly, to me, it sort of started out a little, not awkward, maybe a little bit slow. And then it picked up and I think we got the result we wanted and the match ended, you know, uh, ended well. So nothing wrong to say with this match. Slong, what'd you think? Anything you want to add here? So I'm in complete agreement with you on... It wasn't, it felt like it never got out of first gear. But like you said, when you've had two amazing matches, it's really hard, especially when, because we were just talking about the elite versus uh, that triangle. Being like, oh, they're going to have seven. It's awesome. The difference is that's a, like we, like we said, that's a preset best of seven. So you can tell stories and some things can be repeated because that becomes a story. Whereas when you're just doing like a, a three matches that really wasn't intended to be three, but then became three, you try to change it up a little bit and it just didn't land. Sometimes that third match just doesn't land and working around bow and shoulder. The only thing I'll say, and it was pointed out and it did, I didn't notice it at the time, but until someone pointed out there was two for sure. And almost kind of a mini third of time events during the course of the pay-per-view where one person didn't want to use a foreign object. You had Ray Phoenix who ended up using it. Yep. You had Keith Lee not use it. And we could almost do MJF and Regal, except it's kind of, that's a little different. But still, MJ, but Keith Lee and Phoenix are literally the same story 
just with a different outcome. Yep. And that and it, what makes me laugh is that almost reminds me a little bit of uh, old school AEW, like with the first few, like the first year, where half the time, like as much as I was loving it, it was funny how many times they repeated the same story on the same card. <laughs> and they'd right. kind of gotten away from that. So it was just kind of fun to see that brought back of like, yeah, guys, did no one check and say like, we have two of our tag teams doing the same move. Right. Right. Well, you know, listen, I think that, you know, hopefully this is cooled off. I, I don't need to see these teams face off against each other, you know, for a while. Who knows? We'll talk about Keith Lee and Swerve again in the second sort of half of this show. But Schlong, we're into the main event, and this was one that everybody was hot on in that arena. Uh, John Moxley versus MJF for the AEW World Championship. Now, being uh, historically in the Northeast, Schlong, as you may know, we uh, we tend to, I guess, really be vocal and, and root on the heels here. This arena was all about uh, MJF. Uh, cheering MJF, booing Moxley, you know, uh, Moxley acknowledging it at some points, feeling, you know, the uh, vitriol from the crowd. Uh, and MJF winds up defeating John Moxley to start the MJF era because he is better than than us. And we do know it. But the shocking thing here is that Regal uh, passes the brass knuckles to MJF to get the win. Uh, so, um so it is interesting that Regal uh, winds up turning essentially on Moxley. We don't have a reason for it that night. Um, and, uh, and it's really just a great way for MJF to win after talking about being doing this on his own and all that kind of stuff. Um, it really wound up just being the perfect sort of cherry on top and even better. Schlong. I have to call this out here because um, because this just goes into how great I think MJF is at what he does and how great he is for for wrestling in general. Um, you know, they did the media scrum again afterwards, and he's one of the first people to come into the scrum, but he breaks in basically to the scrum and he doesn't sit down. He doesn't go chasing Tony Khan for the hug like other people do. He doesn't sit behind the desk next to him. He just comes in in front of the mics, in front of the table, and cuts a promo. Now, I don't know the rules, Schlong, about playing clips here, so I'm going to read the transcript, and I'm not going to impersonate MJF, but I'm going to read exactly what he said because it is so fucking perfect in my mind for this entire story. It's fantastic. So he comes into the room. And he says, AEW is now destination television once again. The ship has been steered properly once again. The belt is now the most important belt in this entire sport. And it's thanks to three letters. It damn sure ain't AEW. I know for a motherfucking fact it ain't Mox. It's MJF. God damn you people are fucking dumb, man. No offense. No offense. You had sympathy for the devil? What are you fucking stupid? You morons bid on every word I had to say this past couple of months, huh? I want to earn it. I want to fuck that. I deserve it because I'm the best wrestler in the fucking world. And every single one of you know it. On the microphone, in the ring, nobody can touch me. That's a fact. 
Nobody is on my level. And then you guys still believed me when I put over this motherfucker, when he pointed to Tony Khan, this past Wednesday, grow the fuck up. No offense. Grow up. Now let's talk a little bit, huh? MJF, what's going on with you and Regal? You know, we're all really interested. What's going on? How'd you that link up start? You think I'm going to tell you dumb motherfuckers, huh? With 70,000 fucking hardcore marks watching at home jerking off in their grandma's basement to my velvet voice? You think I give a shit? No. If you want to know anything about the most important man in professional wrestling, you got to tune in to the MJF show. That's every Wednesday on TBS. And you damn know, you damn well, uh, excuse, sorry. And you damn well know that is now destination television. Now, here's what here's what's going to fucking happen. OK, I'm going to go take a shower. I'm going to get all of Moxley's disgusting hepatitis A through Z off me. And then in the morning, I'm going to do what nobody else on the roster does because I'm the only real fucking star here. I'm going to hop on a jet and I'm going to go to my goddamn movie set. Anybody got any questions? Just kidding. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. And as he walks away, he says, the champ's fucking out, baby. Schlong. Fucking perfection. I mean, this guy is what you want out of your heel, you know, sort of side of the roster in your promotion. This this was perfect. And what's great is it used the the media scrum to put over your TV show to say you're going to hear about this on Wednesday nights. So tune the fuck in and I'm not giving you people anything. So find out Wednesday nights. This was perfect for me. Listen, he is the one of the best in the, in the business, probably the best heel at the moment because it's so hard to be a heel. We'll see if he gets cheered or booed because I still think he gets cheers because fans are crazy. Um, I'm not sure I'm sold on the Regal thing. I'm just not. There's going to be more to come. Uh, we're going to talk about Regal tonight, but there's definitely like, going to be more to come. But it is like intriguing. Fir- I'm, I'm okay that it wasn't the firm. I'm okay with that. Um, still feels weird. Like It feels like he should go back to being friends with them because it feels like that seems like a, a subplot. Like if he wasn't being serious about needing to earn it, why was he pissed at them? Like it does feel like he he that'll be revealed. Um that all being said, I just it doesn't I need Regal to come out and he doesn't. I need him to come out and explain to me like this is what happened. Because right now it just it all feels weird and wrong. I, I need an explanation. But the match itself was fantastic. Oh, the I match mean, itself was fucking amazing. These listen, two wrestle their asses off. Mox did exactly what he said he was going to do, right? He came out and beat the piss out of MJF. And they had a, a hard fucking hitting match. I mean, listen, it lived up to the to the, to the the price of the pay-per-view for me. I mean, I have yet well, the- to go back and watch the replay, but it was, it was an electric atmosphere live. I... I can't insult the match itself. Match itself was amazing. And if the regal turn got an emotion from me, I just. Listen, you know me. I will talk myself into this eventually. I think the reason I can't talk myself into it yet is because we don't actually have the explanation they gave me. 
to get to give to me. And I need that in order for me to feel like, okay, this is why he turned. Because right now it does just seem like, yeah, seems like that would be a nice swerve. Well, we are going to talk about Regal and his uh, his uh, sort of actions when we talk about Dynamite. We're going to take a short break here so we can rehydrate, refuel, uh, and do everything we need to do. So, Schlong, why don't I know you know about the network that we're currently trying to purchase, but we, I guess, haven't been in touch with the right people. So, uh, why don't everybody sit back? And uh, listen uh, to some words from the other shows that are part of the Shining Wizards Network. And we'll be right back to talk about Dynamite and some other news and notes before we uh, head into Turkey Day tomorrow. We'll be right back. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air, day and night. This station and hundreds of other radio and TV stations throughout this part of the country are pooling their resources through an emergency network hookup to keep you informed of all developments. Horns up, everyone. When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure every Friday to check out Radioactive Metal. Radioactive Metal is one of the longest-running podcasts on the interweb, and every week we bring you a fistful of metal, including interviews with all your favorite artists, discuss all the metal news, and feature the best tunes on the air today. So grab a Lemmy, join your cool Uncle Snowy, and co-host Aaron in the pit. Your recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting from the current to the way back. Join the impact player Phil Brea and the Portuguese Man of War Choppy for the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Live every week on RantEMRadio.com. Get all our episodes over at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Google Play, ShiningWizardsNetwork.com, and TurnbuckleThrowbacks.com. Are you tired of being told what to think and believe by Hollywood elites and politicians who just don't care about you? Tired of not getting the truth when you watch the news? Tired of trying to figure out what pronoun to use? Tired of mob mentality when all you want to do is think for yourself and make up your own mind? That's where we come in. This is Justin. And Vince. Your host of Inconclusive Breakdown. We are a weekly anti-PC podcast bringing you entertainment and current event news without any spin. If you want to truly stay informed on what's going on in the world, then give us a listen every Sunday, anywhere you get podcasts, at least till Zuckerberg and Twitter Jack deplatform us. And as always, we're proud members of the Shining Wizards Network. Tired of the PC police telling you what you can and cannot say? 
Want a show that travels back to the 80s and 90s where the badass hosts have beaten down cancel culture on three separate occasions and carried on to gloat about it? Since 2013, The Midnight Jury is that show. Travel back to the malls and arcades, pop in your VHS, and join us where the 80s and 90s return from the dead. Conan, tell them where to find us. WLWstudios.com, home of the Midnight Jury podcast, hosted by Midnight Mike and Calvin Brody. Also available on all major podcast platforms via the Shining Wizards Network, and join in the conversation on Twitter at Midnight Jury. What's up, wrestling fans? You want something awesome? Check out Wrestling Night in Canada here on the Shining Wizards Network, where three Canadian metalheads uniting for the love of pro wrestling. Every episode, we go over all the latest news and special events with the odd, unique interview as well. So grab a cold one and check out Wrestling Night in Canada, eh? All right, we're back here on the Mark Order Podcast, part of the Shining Wizards Network. And before we jump into Dynamite Schlong, I just want to remind people that they can find us on our social platforms at Mark Order Pod all over the place, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all those sorts of places. Why don't you give us a follow, a like, uh, subscribe on YouTube, your podcast platforms, anything like that. That helps us, and we thank you for that. But if you'd like to support us and get something back for it, besides all of this wonderful content we provide, um, you can head over to any of our social uh, platforms uh, in our bio. Click on that link tree, and you can request some free stickers from the Mark Order podcast. All you got to do is click that button, uh, provide us your name, your mailing address, I should say your full mailing address, uh, and the country you live in so we can make sure that these are getting to the right place. And then we'll send you out a couple of these uh, shining, uh, these Mark Order podcast stickers, part of the Shining Wizard Network, um, for free. Uh, so, Schlong, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I sent out some stickers to Ricardo uh, in Spain, in Madrid, in Spain. So I hope they got there to him. And, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and Ricardo, if you did get those stickers, let us know via social that you got them. Show us uh, that you got them. We we love knowing that they got there. But Schlong, I bring this up because uh, last week I sent out some stickers to Michael in Texas and uh, Chris Mueller in Illinois. And hey, I just want I just want to tell you folks, those are going to be some those are some expensive stickers because somebody else is paying dearly for it. Schlong, I haven't. I think I told you guys, maybe I didn't tell you, but I definitely told Matt before we went to the pay-per-view when I went to get those stickers, uh, taken to the post office because I had to, uh, you know, um, I had to, uh, you know, run in and, and get some, um, get some stamps and whatnot. Um, I was, you know, parked in front of my, in, in front of my post office there's three spots. I was parked in the middle spot. Somebody pulled up behind me. I get out of my car and, uh, I'm going to open the door up the steps and I hear bang. And I look and this car is now going in front of me. 
and I thought, oh, he might have hit his his tire on the curb. Nah, he was a good couple feet from the curb. He hit my fucking car. <laughs> God damn it. New car, like three weeks old. And uh, he uh, hit my car. Thankfully, no major damage. Uh, no major damage. Uh, we, uh, it was just some scrapes, but it definitely has to get fixed. So, um, so yeah, you two guys are getting exp- expensive stickers. It's going to cost somebody quite a bit of money. To get yeah, money but not money. you. So that's right. But they are expensive stickers, eventful stickers. So yes, see, that's what I go through. Shalong stickers with a story. When people request stickers, they get something. Uh, that has a story behind it. Not all the time, but this was an eventful one. So thank you guys for requesting stickers. Please keep them coming. We got stickers to send out, uh, and we're working on some other stuff uh, before Christmas if you'd like to support us. So I know we've been saying that, but Schlunk, I got some weeks off. I got some time off coming up. We're going to make it happen. Hey, that's what I'm told, but um, okay. Hello, response. <laughs> All right, guys, let's finally get to Dynamite tonight. It's the fallout from Full Gear, uh, live from Chicago, Illinois, from the Wind Trust Arena. Uh, when we lead off Dynamite tonight, uh, the first thing we get is William Regal. We know he's coming, and this is the first we're hearing from him since uh, the turn uh, at uh, Full Gear. Um And he says that next week we're going to get to hear from Mr. Friedman because he doesn't have time for places like Chicago. Rather, he's on the set of a major motion picture. And Regal is sure that we're all wondering what the union between the two of them is. And he pauses because there are chants of fuck you Regal going on. And he calls them uncouth before saying that a number of weeks ago. I'm sorry, Shlong. I want to point out he didn't. So Regal is going full heel here because he pretended to not know where they were. Sure, I just—it's such a small detail, but it—it it, it established right away that like this isn't going to be Regal being like I have a valid non-heel reason for doing this. Right, right. off the bat, he's like I'm a heel because I right. refuse to even know where I'm at. Of course, classic heel. So, um. He does say that uh, a number of weeks ago he sent MJF an email uh, and we won't be privy to that until next week when Max can explain everything. And that's when a Mr. John Moxley enters the picture. Now, Schlong, I don't know about you. I thought he was going to be on his fishing trip that he never got to take, but maybe it's coming. So we'll see. But Moxley makes his way to the ring and he is very angry. Um... And the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, is also there and gets between him and Regal and backs John off. Mox shoves him, but the Dragon manages to basically hold his place and get on the mic. And he says he doesn't know why Regal did what he did, and that was a bad thing. But, you know, uh, both of them have done bad things. And he's asking John because, you know, William had a a bad neck and two brain bleeds. Please don't hurt him. And Brian asks asks him to not hurt him again. He even slaps him to try to put some, knock some sense into him before basically falling to his knees to to apologize. And he doesn't care if they're booing and Mox knows the struggle Regal deals with. And the dragon's dad suffered with that too. 
And this is more than wrestling. When his dad struggled, when when Danielson's dad struggled, he didn't understand the only person who could teach him was Regal. And for the last years of his life before his dad passed away, Brian was able to love him because of Regal. And he asked Moxley to imagine someone teaching his daughter to love him. Brian asked John to save him for him because he loves him. And John takes a good long sort of pause, you know, um, and thinks about what Danielson said. And then he gets real close to Regal and says he only wants one thing from him. He wants him to run far away, as far away as he can, and never, ever come back. And William slowly turns and walks away. And that's all we get tonight until we can hear from MJF next week live on Dynamite. So, Schlong, what do you think of this? Not really a reason. So, again, this is why I'm... This is actually part of the reason I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little less into it right now because he did go full heel. Um, I was kind of hoping for a very rational regal like explanation of like hey you should have won in this way or that way and once you didn't i needed to teach you a good lesson but you didn't get that you got to he's heal uh, the brian thing provides an interesting twist because that seems to me that they're going to be leading to a brian heel turn well i mean he's kind of been a little heelish anyway but like full-blown mox versus brian type deal again which I'm okay with. They can absolutely do that again. Right. Because of the love of Regal. Right. I was going to say the allegiance, you know, sort of the tie to Regal does help that, you know, sort um, of and I'm story fine with that. That it makes sense that I have no problem with the, the love of a man like that. will, like when you're someone's like, this guy got me through the hardest part of my life. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Moxley being what I do appreciate is that, when Regal was tough guying other people, they would like back down from Regal. And this time Regal was clearly nervous about Mox, which just goes to show like the reputation of Mox is like, yeah, I am younger. So that is obviously, and I am crazy. I'm crazy and I'm tough. Like I'm willing to just, so as much as I'm not so like, I'm not a huge fan of what's going on so far. I am interested. And this could very easily next week with just the right framing of the explanation completely turned me into like yeah this is what i want like i'm all on board now i'll say this i love berg but i think you're wrong here berg berg in the chat saying mjf isn't gonna sell tickets i I think you're wrong berg because mjf is over everywhere he goes i mean he's a heel that's not what they want but he clearly knows how to play the crowd and He's going to sell tickets because the ticket, the, 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 you know, it's all about the chase, right? You're chasing a heel now and he's going to hold this belt for a while. I think he's going to sell tickets. And I think that, you know, this is just going to help his, his stock rise. I don't know about you, Shlong. I think it's going to move the needle. Not, not like, you know, not crazy, but I don't think they're going to suffer under, MJF as opposed to Moxley. No, I'm, I'm. I think MJF's one of the biggest stars in wrestling all over, altogether. He's when he wasn't going to show up to what was it, um, all out or whatever. He yeah, no, yeah. It wasn't all out. It was uh the one uh, before that, uh, double or nothing. 
double or when he wasn't going to show up to double or nothing was literally the talk of the wrestling world. Like he is of that level. He is as big of a star as I've ever heard in wrestling currently. You know, obviously there's been bigger in like, but like in, in the current landscape, I don't think there's anyone bigger. So no, I definitely think he sells tickets. I mean, in all, all those stories were in, were in the rags for weeks, not knowing, you know, was it a work? Was it a shoot? You know, um, you know, did he really know show? Did he, you know, it, it was all over. I mean, he's, he, he makes headlines. Yeah. I mean, he, he seems to be, I mean, he's, the, he was, had been called the future for a reason. He is that over, but we'll see. I mean, Berg, everyone's got their opinion. I can't fault you for being like, he's not my guy. So I don't see it. I don't see how certain guys have sold tickets in the past who did sell tickets. Like just everyone has their thing, but I think love him or hate him. He gets a reaction and people are like, I want to see what this guy does. Yeah, no, I think, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not saying Berg is wrong. I just, that's not, I know you're just disagreeing, but I'm just saying, I just was putting it out there. Like I get questioning it, but also, no one thought Hangman would, and hang, all the numbers were good with Hangman. Yeah. And, sometimes and listen, just... I think that this now clearly resets for the future, right? So, you know, this is their last pay-per-view of the year. We're now going into 2023. They have some strong, you know, Wednesday nights coming up. They have uh, uh, winter is coming, coming up. Uh, so... I think that this, what I'm excited for to see out of MJF is a new crop of the next sort of level getting their shot in the main, you know, sort of picture. And we see that, you know, with, um, with the eliminator tournament and the guys who they kind of got to the end here. And we're going to talk about that match coming up, but listen, if you're going to tell me now that MJF is champion and we're going to get to see an Ethan Page story, we're going to see a Ricky Stark story. We're going to maybe I'm just throwing the name out, even though he's not in the picture. We're going to see a jungle boy emerge as as somebody who can vie against MJF. Sign me up. You know, it makes things fresh and it it pulls up that next crop of talent. The guys that you've been saying are the pillars of your company. Well, now it's time to start building on top of them and building, you know, new guys underneath them. So you know, sign me up. Um, anyway, let's move on. Schlong. We get Renee Paquette backstage interviewing Keith Lee, but before they can really get into it, Swerve rolls up and Lee tells him to choose his words very wisely. And that's when Swerve looks at the camera. He covers it with his hand and he asks Keith Lee if the, if he says, we need to talk. And Keith says without this. Okay. And so, Maybe Swerve and Keith Lee aren't done yet, Schlong. Yeah, I mean, I want them to be because I want to see the feud. But it is an interesting, I'm okay with the wrinkle. Um, They haven't been together so long that I'm like, oh, God, just end it. Like, this is one where I'm okay with wrinkles if you're to get to that story. And I like the way that this was done right where he covers the camera you can still see keith you know through kind of part of his his fingers you know i I just like the way they kind of chose to to shoot this whole segment too i thought it was done really well 
So not too much to discuss there, but we'll keep our eyes and ears open. Uh, but we get Jake Hager versus Orange Cassidy for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. And cutting to the end here, Orange Cassidy does win by pinfall with the victory roll to retain the All-Atlantic Championship. The whole story in this match was Jake Hager uh, with his purple hat on that he loved so much. Um, a couple times he lost his hat. You know, uh, Orange Cassidy was able to get the hat off him, and he really struggled to get the hat back. That's ultimately what does him in. Uh, you know, the hat comes off, uh, he tries to go fix his hat, orange punch connects, and then he gets the, the roll up, uh, the victory roll for the championship. Now the big news is post-match long. The factory comes out to the stage, uh, and QT Marshall gets onto the mic. He says they've got unfinished business. And since orange has no problem giving out all Atlantic shots, uh, one after the other, uh, you know, and they're surrounding the ring, the lights go out. And that's when they show on the stage, Julia Hart is standing, shrouded in red uh, and in mist. And then she raises her hand, brings it down. And that's when we cut back to the ring and the lights come up and the House of Black have returned. They're waiting behind the best friends. They put their boots to them. Then they put down the factory Security and other other, you know, backstage talent comes out. They get put down by Buddy Matthews and Brody King. And then Malachi Black gets on the mic and asks for the members of the House of Black to rise. And they go to break. A little awkward break there. It looked like they didn't necessarily cut it at the right time. But man, Schlong, this was something I think we thought could happen had things gone differently at uh, full gear with the Bucks winning. Maybe they were going to sort of reemerge there, but I don't mind seeing them emerge here tonight. A little sort of weird because they weren't really into anything with either one of these groups, but a strong showing for them to return. And I'm happy to see them finally return. So a couple things. One, I'm a big fan of Hager's hat gimmick. Uh, Hager needed something to be fun. And the hat thing makes me laugh. A little one weirder than that. I'm so glad he wrestled in it. Like, I'm a big fan of that. I don't think he should need to be going for his hat for Orange Cassidy to win, but that's a minor gripe. No one will remember this tomorrow, so whatever. I do like that they um, brought out the factory first. It's kind of like, because that, I mean, it almost made, like, they just had the feud with them. It kind of made sense. Like, this was going to be the thing. Uh, I still say QT Marshall gets some of the best reactions out of anyone in any arena. People really need to pay attention to that. But then to do the swerve and have, you know, uh, the House of Black come back was just amazing. And have them destroy everyone, both sides, which is perfect for them. They they don't suffer anyone but themselves. I'm excited for them versus the best friends. That's going to be a fun feud. That is going to be awesome. And then I'm okay with the best friends losing that feud. Uh, I do want the best friends at some point to hold the trios titles, but I think the house of black needs a little bit right now. Best friends are at the level where they're on TV so much that they can lose and bounce back. And no one seems to ever care. Uh, House of black, it matters. And then this kind of keeps the house of black doing something while the elite and death triangle sort it out. And also it doesn't bring the house of black right into a feud. They'll lose with the elite. So it's kind of a nice thing. So I'm, I'm very excited for this, having them back. And they looked great. It was good seeing them back, obviously. Um, 
you know, it's going to be interesting, this story, whoever they decide to try to run a story with, right? Whether it's best friends first and then maybe the factory for whatever reason they want to run at the factory. I don't care. I just want to see these guys wrestling again. I really do. I mean, they're all stars. Uh, so really exciting to have them back. And then once we get back from a commercial, uh, we're getting into Ethan page versus absolute Ricky Starks for the, uh, world championship, number one contenders tournament eliminator finals. And as they're coming out to the ring, uh, Ethan page, uh, cuts a promo about how he's going to beat Ricky Starks and make the crowd cry about it. Like the losers that they are. And then we see Ricky Starks come out and schlong again in an ultimate babyface underdog move. He is completely like taped up around his midsection, around one of his shoulders. And that's really the story they're telling this whole match is his shoulder sort of messed up. Ethan Page is targeting his shoulder. Uh, and we go back and forth the whole time. Um, and Starks is sort of throwing his uh, throwing his caution to the wind and really putting his body at risk. At one point, he hits a superplex. Um, but uh, eventually, Ricky Starks is able to win the tournament by pinfall with a spear. So he will be the number one contender to the AEW World Championship. And we go to break. So I think they said, or Ethan Page at one point said that it all, when I win this at Winter is Coming, I'm going to be the new champion. So I guess this match will take place at Winter is Coming. I'm not sure. Nothing's officially been announced. But uh, listen, this is great for Ricky Starks. He's a star. Looked great in this match. Again, the ultimate babyface move of overcoming two giants and fighting with injuries, you know, putting his body on the line for this match. Fantastic story. He's so over. He's an ultimate babyface. The only sort of downside is, is he is definitely not taking this title off of MJF. <laughs> so, um, the only thing that, you know, I look forward to is it will be a fucking fantastic match. Both of them are stars, young talent in the, not young talent, but talent of the AEW sort of next level down, quote unquote, getting to be in this, in this main event picture, just fantastic. And this match was a, a ton of fun. Shlong, anything you, you feel like you want to add here? Ricky Starks is a star. This was a, this, this whole tournament was a star making performance for Starks, you know, like you said, uh, and even having him be injured as much as you don't want it. Like I'm not cheering for a guy to be injured, but there's something to be said that like he won this thing injured. He has a story. Now he has this whole thing. Ethan page. I love Ethan page. I don't want him to be losing matches, but Ricky Starks needed this. And this was Ricky Starks moment. Um, He's going to lose to MJF, but by winning a tournament to be given the shot, it kind of puts you in that atmosphere more in a more realistic or better way for you going forward than just like, oh, I want a battle royal. Like people are now going to associate you with like, hey, you had a main, you had a title shot against MJF, which would be awesome. Their promos are going to be good, and also you want a tournament to get there. We know you're at that level now, so that that's just really going to help him in like the long term. And I must admit, his Asian Joe did say they confirmed on the broadcast that it'd be at Winter is Coming. So yeah. uh, I I just missed it. I wasn't listening. So uh, thank you, Joe, for confirming that. But but yeah, it, it's going to be fantastic. And Shlong, I'm with you. I you know I want to see Ethan Page on TV. I don't want to see him necessarily losing matches. But you know, I think that 
you know, being part of this tournament and going as far as he did, he has a legitimate claim at some point to be able to say, you know, I, I deserve a title shot. And when that happens, because there's still this sort of story between the firm and MJF that they can bubble back up. Um, eventually I think we'll get that and that'll be a ton of fun. So great match. Uh, glad to see both these guys in a picture like this. And when we get back from the break schlong, uh, we see the footage of Jade Cargill getting into it with Bow Wow at his concert in Miami. And that's when they cut to Renee Paquette interviewing Jade Cargill about it. And Jade says she's not giving the whack, that whack ass rapper any more attention because She's got her belt back and she's going to have to have a celebration next week. And uh, as for the Bow Wow situation, she's going to have her legal representation, Mark Sterling, address it. uh, And he offers no comment as her official statement. And that's when they uh, uh, Jade also says she's very happy to see Red Velvet back. Uh, Interesting. Red Velvet, no red hair. Hard to tell it was Red Velvet. uh, you know, because I was looking at uh, the dress she was wearing. Uh, my goodness, she looked great. Uh, but um, in perhaps the biggest swerve moment of this segment, Schlong, um, Jade tells Mark, uh, hey, handle this other thing. And Mark Sterling says, uh, hey, in front of the camera, Kira, uh, sign this paper, sign these papers. And he says that uh, because uh, she hasn't gotten the job done, Uh, Jade no longer needs her services. So unfortunately, Schlong, Kiara Hogan is out of the baddies. And uh, it is now down to Red Velvet. And uh, and I can't remember who the other person was who replaced Red Velvet, but I guess they're making a change. Okay, so a couple things here. One, you're dead on on Red Velvet on everything you said. Great. She's back. Great outfit. Big fan. Uh, Very happy. Mark Sterling is back with Jade. Listen, I wanted I wanted uh, Soakley with Jade, but if you're not going to give me that, then put Marks. I'm a fan of Smart Mark, so I like him with Jade. I think they had a good thing going. I know not. I, I think Kate wasn't a big fan of it, but too bad, Kate. Uh, I'm a big fan. Now, there's a couple things I want to get to before we get to Hook. And one, Kyle K. Sparks saying, "Hey, gang, just wrapped up the Body Slam post show. Wanted to pop in and say, hey, or." to the Mark Order crew. Have a great night. Happy Thanksgiving. I didn't want to forget to bring that up because stop rubbing in our faces that you get your post show done quicker. Screw you, cat. I'm giving him. That's because they don't have as many hot takes as we do. That's true. But go watch their show after this. The Body Slam. Kyle and Mike from in uh, Mike who covers indie wrestling. They're really good guys. Just watch it after ours. That was my other one. But this is really relevant to what we were talking about. Agent Joe is saying he doesn't want Hogan versus Jade. I 100% do. I am all for, as long as this isn't that Kira Hogan's done with AEW, but this is just like an advancement of her singles thing and letting her be better, all for this. I think Kira Hogan's supremely talented. I think she was great in Impact, which is where I get like that from. I know she won't beat Jade, but I'm all for her breaking out on her own and having her run. She's not the one to beat Jade for the title, which sucks because they haven't built her up enough, unless... They want to build her up before Jade gets to 50, which could be done. I don't think they're going to be able to do it, but they, in theory, you could try it. But I'm all for Kira Hogan being it, getting her own run and this this being the start of it. So I'm kind of the opposite of Joe on that one. I, I want to see Hogan, Hogan versus Jade, and I want Hogan. I hope, I'm, my big hope is that this is just 
Hogan's story in AEW changing, not Hogan out of AEW. Agreed. I agree with that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do here. Um, I think Kiera Hogan has a lot of talent. We've seen her, you know, wrestle live a few times on like uh, Dark when they've done some of the Dark tapings uh, before Rampage and, uh, you know, some other stuff. So she's definitely got the talent. Uh, I do hope they sort of give her uh, some sort of singles push or you never know, Schlong. Maybe they decide to do something and she she sides with uh, Athena because they've got this thing going on with Athena. So they could do a couple different things here. Uh, but I, you know, I'm in for the story. Let's see where they go with it. The celebration that's going to happen next week, they could certainly feed into it. Then we'll see what happens. Yep. Let's move on to match two in the best of seven series, death triangle versus the elite. Uh, and again, we see uh carry on by Kansas used tonight. So it looks like that's what they're doing. The trios uh, group will use carry on as their entrance song. Schlong, some things I want to call out, not necessarily match related. This crowd was chanting for CM Punk. This chant, this crowd was also chanting "fuck the elite." This crowd at one point was also chanting "fuck CM Punk." So a split crowd. What was fantastic was some of the moments where, you know, like Matt Jackson was like, you know, putting his hand up to his ear, like, "Huh, what? I can't hear you." When they were chanting for CM Punk, at one point they were definitely playing to the crowd. I think they were giving crotch uh, chops and stuff like that to the CM Punk chants. Um, also, one of the greatest troll moments ever in this uh, match, Kenny Omega biting the arm of uh, of Pack, Just fantastic. Uh, and it should be noted, they Pack was wearing a face guard during this match. They noted that he had a broken nose that he suffered on Sunday night, but he was still cleared to wrestle. It did play into the story. They did get the mask off him and give the the um uh the elite trigger whatever they call it uh where the BTE three of them, trigger the bte trigger sorry it's been so long schlong that i forget what the move sets are called um but cutting to the end of this schlong the hammer plays into the win again we uh we do see at one point um it looks like the elite are going to even this up uh cutler is able to pass the uh, the bell hammer uh, in the ring to Matt Jackson, who's gearing up, uh, getting ready to knock uh, Pac's block off with it. But behind him comes uh, Penta with his own hammer and takes out Matt Jackson. Pac rolls him up for the win and Death Triangle get that uh, get the win here to go up 2-0 in the best of seven series. Now, post match, Phoenix is very upset at Penta for using the hammer uh, and everything eventually cools off. Um, and, you know, uh, we move on to the, the third match next week. Shlong, it's very interesting. This seems to be the story that they're going to tell through this whole series is this, this hammer uh, being used and maybe not everybody in death triangle being in with it. It is very funny to me that Phoenix was so upset about it tonight, but he did use it to get that win and retain their titles on Saturday at the uh, pay-per-view. But clearly this looks like the story. So I think, was it Gordon post earlier talking about how he wanted this to get to a ladder match? And, mm-hmm. and whatnot. this is how they get to some form of a stipulation is that these teams keep cheating in these matches. So you're going to have to go to stipulations to, to make it 
at least not cheating. You know, um, you you could say you no know, DQ. You could do whatever. Um, that's obviously the hammer is going to be the the story throughout. I really hope they don't make the elite go down three nothing. I'm not a big fan of that story. I'm okay with two nothing, especially losing in Chicago. I would then want the elite to tie it at two two, and then go you know like kind of one of those things where sure. you're going to seven. Um, but I love you can already see the beginnings of a story being told. The elite, the the hammer. Is is the story, but it's a great story. You, it's cost the elite twice. They tried tried to counter it themselves by bringing their own. They weren't as good with it. So what are they going to try in the third match to counter this cheating by the Death Triangle with their own cheating? It's not like the elite are both cheating, right? The crowd. I don't believe the the fuck the elite chance. I don't believe they meant it because when they cut to that crowd as they were booing and saying fuck the elite, there was a lot of smiles on those faces. I think this was a lot of fun for people. I mean, this was like a. I think it's what I think is what you, people would think you'd expect out of a Chicago crowd. You know what yeah. I mean? I think people um, were just having fun. It was a, this match was a lot of fun, and again, the atmosphere seemed really. You know, I've used it before. It seemed electric in the building for this match. Um, but again, what do you expect out of these two teams? But have a a, a banger match after banger match, you know, and. Uh, and have some different uh, different stories behind it. I mean, listen, they could easily even do something schlong next week. Like the elite have been having a lot of fun these first two matches, right? Maybe a little too much fun. Maybe next week we see a more, you know, uh, serious elite, uh, and you know j- they just really put the boots to him and try to put them away early. Like they could do a number of different things, and we've seen them tell different stories. Um, even in like two out of three falls matches where each fall seems like a different psychology. So I'm, I'm all in for this best of seven. And again, I'm with you. I hope it goes the distance. I can't see it not going the distance, but Hey, match five, if needed, always fun. Uh, Gordon, Gordon go ahead. Why is it exciting in sports when a team comes back from three, nothing, but not, but not here because sports isn't (laughs) pre-written. That's right. I know they're going to go to all seven. I don't. So I don't find the the comeback story as interesting as the trading off story. I mean, some people might. That's just a, my personal preference. Where because I know they're going to go to all seven, I find trading off to be a lot more fun because it makes each team seem like they're adapting. Whereas when one goes down three nothing, the other. That's just me. But some people may love it. I will say what I would enjoy is if each match from here on out, the hammers get bigger. Oh man. And eventually they just get to a, uh, they get to like a sledgehammer, a mallet that you see at like carnivals. Right. (laughs) That would be a lot of fun. Oh my God. Well, we'll see what happens. Schlong. Maybe we have a hammer match, a hammer on a pole match (laughs) with special guest Vince Russo. And uh, and uh, Buff Bagwell and his mom, Judy Bagwell on a pole. Shlong, this is something that uh, I want to talk about um, before we actually get to the match. They did announce uh, during the night that we were going to have a, th- a triple threat tag team match with the with the women. Uh, and it was going to be the uh, Tay J.A.S. Uh, versus Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale. Versus Team DMD, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. 
Before the match, Renee Paquette's on stage, and she uh, is there to announce that because Thunder Rosa is so seriously hurt, she and AEW management have come to an agreement for her to relinquish the title. And that being said, wants to welcome your new AEW Women's World Champion, Jamie Hayter. So Jamie Hayter is not an interim champion. At this point in time, Jamie Hayter is the world champion. Again, I'm saying at this point in time, at this point in the show, they announced that Jamie Hayter is the champion. No interim. Okay? Okay. Team DMD make their entrance, and Renee asks sort of, uh, I don't remember the question she asked, but she goes to to talk to, to Jamie Hayter, and Britt, says, Britt basically takes the mic and says, they weren't considering the word interim. This is just telling everyone what they already knew, and um, they start to make their way to the ring. And we go to a break before everybody else comes out for the match. Schlong, a couple things here. One, I think the the thing that's clear here is that um, this this Brit taking the mic away, talking about how she's a champ. I think this is clearly the story we're getting to where Jamie Hayter breaks out on her own. And it's going to be because of the jealousy between Brit and Jamie Hayter that this finally breaks off. I'm all in for that. I think this story this story can be told really well with these two. So I'm good with that. Shlong, here's the thing, the other thing I want to bring up. And again, at this point in the show, we find out that Jamie Hayter is the world champion. Nothing mentioned about anybody else in their interim title run. Okay. Shlong, um, my question to you is within I think the last week or so, I think Tony Storm was asked about whether she thinks Thunder Rosa should relinquish the title. And to a certain extent, Tony Storm pretty bluntly says yes, because if you can't defend it, you need to give it up. Um, and Tony Storm, even uh, really early on in her interim title run, um, made some sort of I'd say maybe jabs. Maybe they weren't jabs at Thunder Rosa. I think at one point she said, they tell me she's hurt. So when she gets back, we'll fight for the unified title. So she maybe was sort of saying she was never sold on the injury. I also know, I think it was about a week ago that Thunder Rosa was somewhere and in an interview or maybe on Busted Open said that she had just started to run for the first time and that she couldn't run for an extended period of time, but she'd run for a little bit and then she'd take a break and, she felt good, but she wasn't sure when she could get back to other physical activities. Shlong, I have a conspiracy theory for you here. Do you think Thunder Rosa was maybe it was positioned to her at some point during Tony Storm's title interim title run that she would they would like her to relinquish the title? And she said, nope, because she was pissed at Tony Storm. And as soon as the belt came off her, decided, all right, I, I'll relinquish it. And it's Jamie Hayter and not Tony Storm. You think there's anything to that? That's my own conspiracy theory. No. I th- I think the buzz became really loud in the last week, week and a half about it. Louder than I've heard it the entire run of, of Tony Storm. Like, people really started being like, why is this interim? Why is this interim? And then you do a title change and people are like, wait a minute. What does that mean for Tony Storm's title reign? I think that's why. I think I think they just got forced to a point where Tony Khan's like, "Oh, fans actually care about this. The the it's annoying fans this interim thing, so I got to get rid of it." 
It's also just interesting that there's still really no, I haven't seen any concrete news on what the injury was to Thunder Rosa or how serious it was. It was just, she's got a back issue and she's working through it to come back. But we never heard if it was like some sort of spinal injury or, or what this all just seems really weird. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. It must be serious, but I mean, it just seems very weird, right? Like it just. Oh, it's definitely very weird, but I just feel, you know, I think we only even care because of the early part. People are like, oh, is she really hurt? Well, clearly she's very hurt because she's having to relinquish her title. She's nowhere near coming back. Maybe she's I, also I, not not in a rush to come back. I. I don't know why you wouldn't be. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying it doesn't seem like I, she's I, in a rush. I don't know. I find that hard to believe. I, I, I think there's a lot more. She doesn't seem like the type to me that's going to sit on the sidelines if she doesn't have to. She seems like she would want to put herself out there, make more money, be more successful. You make more money and you're more successful if you're wrestling. Listen, I don't <clears throat> I don't disagree, but she doesn't have the sterling track record. She she did sandbag a couple people along the way. Yeah, so I but I, I still I don't I think I'm playing devil's advocate here. I think you're gotta, I think that's looking for conspiracies where there are none. I think this is pretty simple. She got hurt. They thought she'd be out like a couple months. Turns out it's gonna be maybe half a year to a year, if not longer. And fans started to realize that like, Hey, this interim thing kind of sucks because if she's not coming back, that what happens when you have someone else win it just like happened. And then they were like, all right, we, we got to get rid of this. This is, this has got to go. So you get rid of it. They, what is it? Five minutes later announced that Tony storms run well, is you, recognized as official. You blew the load early. Schlong. I was getting, there's no blowing the load. Everyone knew where, what happened. Well, I wanted to talk about, well, all right, let's get the match itself. Team DMD wins, you know, nothing out of the ordinary there, right? Nothing happens either after the match. No turn, no nothing like that. Britt Baker is celebrating, you know, Hater. Hater is celebrating Britt. They're all good. That is when commentary, and this is why I want to talk about this. Commentary informs us now, after Jamie Hater gets a moment on stage, Commentary as a passing note says that, oh, Tony Khan says that because of Thunder Rosa relinquishing the title, Tony Storm's reign is retroactively uh, official and has removed the interim qualifier from it. Now, Schlong, I don't know about you. That really kind of fucking sucks to me. Like, I was even saying during the match, it sort of was like I was talking to Mrs. Money. I said, you know, I'd be really fucking pissed if I was Tony Storm going through my entire reign, being an interim champion, getting asked about it all the time. Then you lose. Now, now the title's relinquished. And now, you know, Jamie Hayter's the official champion and you still have this interim. So they remove it fine. But the fact that they just do it as a passing note, to me, that kind of fucking sucks. Like, if you were going to do that for Jamie Hayter, you probably should have had had done that with Tony Storm. And they did say that Tony Storm will be on Friday night or Friday afternoon rampage, I guess, to speak to the interim being removed from her title reign. 
So I guess it'll it'll get there. But to me, it just kind of felt shitty. I don't know about you. It felt a little disrespectful. I I guess a little, but like again, I think I think all of the heat to get rid of the interim thing popped up within the last week and they had already planned to change titles. So I think they didn't want to sell that they were gonna call they were gonna have Tony lose. And I think that would have been a big sell to be like, oh, she's the champ now. Uh because I think that would have been a sell. I I, I don't I just think it's I think the minute they took the belt off Tony it became a bigger issue only because now what do you do with Tony's reign? Does it count? And they wanted it to count. So I just feel like if you're going to announce that, you know, the title's been relinquished and Jamie Hayter's now the real champ, that you should at the same moment on the stage make the announcement that retroactively Tony Storm is also was also the world champion and the interim title has been removed from her reign. So in the record books, you know, she'll be a real champion. I just felt like they should have done it at the same time instead of commentary being like, oh, by the way, you know, it's removed. I just it felt kind of shitty to me. And it yeah, felt I, like- I can see I can see how why you say it. I just don't see it that. But like in the we could be getting a story tomorrow being like, oh, yeah, the, this was Thunder Rose's condition. You could be 100 percent right. I don't think they would do it to fuck Tony Storm purposely. Like, I think they love Tony Storm. Well, I don't think they did. I would say maybe the person relinquishing the title now and the time that she's lost the title seems a little funky. If we get. Yeah, I mean, that story will break if it's there. Well, we'll see. But um, let's move on. We get FTR and top flight being interviewed backstage. Dax says, uh, Last week, the match they had with AR Fox against Death Triangle really impressed him. He wants them to take over tag team wrestling the way they have. And Dante and Darius say they've been impressed with FTR for years, and they challenged them to a match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. And FTR agree. And my favorite part of that little backstage segment is that they shake hands and Top Flight, or, or Dante Martin says, Top Flight out. And uh, Dax says, that's our line. Uh, and then they sort of end the, the interview there. Now, Schlong, you had uh, you had uh, put through a Twitter link here um, while we were chatting uh, in our in our little private uh, chat. And uh, it looked like somebody put up a picture from their taping rampage tonight, obviously, because Friday afternoon uh, they're not going to do it live. But somebody put up a picture. Uh, unfortunately, of it looks like the doctor's checking out Dante Martin in the ring, uh, I guess after their match with FTR, it looks like maybe, and we'll have to see what airs on Friday. It looks like, unfortunately, Dante Martin may be, may be hurt here, which would obviously set top flight back yet again, which is just so fucking unfortunate if that's the case. Yeah, you hope it's either minor storyline or... Minor storyline. That's really the only two things you could hope for. Let's hope. We'll see on Friday afternoon. Schlong, in a heat segment of the night, the acclaimed make their entrance to the ring. They uh, they rap down about various things that happened at full gear. Uh, and they mention, you know, uh, uh, them retaining the titles. They mention uh, Double J, ha, F. Jar- Jeff Jarrett uh, and uh, and Jay Lethal. And they get in the ring. Bowen says there's a lot to be thankful for on Thanksgiving, including their title defense, plus the shoulders feeling better. 
And they announce that Daddy S is feeling much better. His fingers are able to scissor again. He takes his his uh, his wraps off. It turns out to be a Thanksgiving miracle. And they go to do a scissor me daddy ass. And that's when Jay Lethal and company interrupt on the uh, big screen. And they say, leave our name out your mouth. And that's when Jeff Jarrett calls them out. He calls them ass clowns and warns them of a beating. Um, And uh, that's when Billy Gunn tells them to get them off my screen. And that's when they finally do the scissor. Uh, And it looks like we're maybe in a program now, Schlong, with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus the acclaimed. Schlong, this is everything we wanted. This is everything we wanted out of Jeff Jarrett coming into the company because it annoys so many people. And it's just fantastic. I also enjoyed the crowd chanting TNA sucks. Um, That was just uh, another good Chicago chant. Schlong, what do you think about this uh, feud that they're heating up? No. No. I I was okay with a short Jeff Jarrett sting feud to to introduce him to the company. No, no, I don't want him a regular part of my TV. I just don't. It is going to catch so much heat. I mean, that part's funny to me, but I just, I get why. Like, why is this the food with the acclaimed? Jeff, just go away, Jeff Jarrett. Just, Just go. No, I don't want you around. You're good. Go. Listen, I don't care. I personally have nothing wrong with Jeff Jarrett. He's perfectly fine. Let's see where this goes. I think it'll be another short, short program. That's for sure. And then they'll move the acclaimed onto something they can sink their teeth into. All I know is the acclaimed is way over everywhere they fucking go. They they are, but it's just like, why is Jeff Jarrett still around? Like I thought he was I was my hope was he would just go to the back office. That was my hope. And I think I think I think we he will wind up fully in the back office. I think they're just using him now because he's catching heat, you know, that's it. Not good heat. Well, no, but it's heat. Let's go away. Heat and to go away. Heat's not good. Schlong. We're into our main event of the evening. The Ocho Chris Jericho versus Tomohiro Ishii for the ring of honor world championship. Schlong. I don't know about you, but, kind of knew exactly what we were getting from uh we were, we were going to get out of the stone pit bull here uh you knew it was just going to be a lot of hard hitting slapping chopping you know shit like that and clearly it was hard hitting because ishi just chops the shit out of jericho's chest to the point where jericho's chest just splits open <laughs> and he's yeah that was bleeding, a bleeding yeah from the chest Quite impressive, the power out of uh, Ishii. And uh, they did talk up the fact that these two know each other from their time in Japan. Um, you know, so they, they are familiar with each other. Uh, eventually, uh, Jericho gets the win here, not by the uh, by the Judas effect. He gets uh, uh, Ishii to tap out with the Lion Tamer to retain the uh, Ring of Honor World Championship. And post-match, Jericho storms up Uh, The ramp, he looks like he's making his way towards the commentary desk. He throws the belt at the table, staring at Riccoboni. And that's when the save gets made by Claudio Castagnoli, who comes up behind him and lays him out with an elbow. That's how the show goes off the air tonight. 
And Schlong, this is, I think, what we really wanted to focus on because I think we got the match we we knew we were going to get out of Ishii and, and Jericho. And we knew Ishii wasn't going to win, but a lot of fun seeing him on television. Yeah, he's got a weird neck. He does. Well, he's a pit bull. Pit bulls don't really have necks. So Schlong, here's, I think, whoa, there you go. Uh, Schlong, here's what we really wanted to talk about. And it's Claudio kind of coming out and making the save here because, you know, the writing you sort of see on the wall here is that um, Claudio is probably the next guy to get a shot here. Now, it's possible, but I don't know if it has to be at the pay-per-view. Listen. Yo. It's it's going to be at the pay-per-view. Let's just be fair. It's too close. If if we had another month, I'd say no. But we're we're in the month of the pay-per-view at this point. I love Claudio. This isn't a knock on him. This isn't a knock on Jericho. This is a knock on two things. One, it's a repeat of something we've seen, so the story didn't develop. It's just kind of like went, the story went in a weird circle, which I'm not a huge fan of. Two, I really thought this was going to be like, and this is my own fault. This is for expectations that I had that they never promised me. This is just, but it felt like they were developing where like a final battle, ROH Pure would get their their wins and they get their titles back and they'd be, and you'd, and Tony Khan be like, hey, we have TV coming and boom, real ROH is on the roll. Well, I don't want Claudio in real ROH. I want Claudio in AEW. He's at that level. So now, am I going to fault that if they start ROH TV with Claudio and they move him? I know because he's so good, you would he makes sense as your first champ. I'm more annoyed that it just feels like the story went nowhere. Like we literally ended up right back where we started, but they didn't tell enough in between to make me feel like this is deserved. Yeah, I mean, do I want them to have this match and Claudio take the belt back? Not necessarily, because I like what Jericho has been doing with it and the story they've been telling with him trying to demolish the history of of Ring of Honor. Um, if the match does happen at the pay-per-view, though, maybe here's a couple a couple things that that maybe we're not privy to that could have happened. One, maybe they were eyeing this up to be somebody else and it can't work out. So maybe they're pivoting to Claudio. That's one thought. Two, maybe um, this match does happen at the pay-per-view. Jericho retains, but um, eventually the person to take the belt off him happens on Ring of Honor television because, again... The hope is, and I think what Tony Khan had said in a pre-Full Gear sort of press conference or interview or something was that they uh, should have some some additional insight or news to share about Ring of Honor and the future of television after the pay-per-view. So, you know, I think I had initially thought that if there was going to be TV, that would change hands on TV because that's sort of a big hook to get people to watch the show. Um, so maybe that's what's going on, but I don't know. Listen, I'm with you. I don't want this story to come full circle and Jericho to be running through everybody and then just lose the title back to the guy that he won it from. It's kind of stale to me. I don't necessarily need that. And I would like a, I guess more, um, 
somebody with a larger Ring of Honor pedigree, possibly. And I know Claudio has a good Ring of Honor pedigree, but I think I want somebody who maybe had done more with Ring of Honor to to take that belt off him. Right. Like and I'm not saying Dalton Castle, but somebody like a Dalton Castle, who is basically a lifer in in Ring of Honor. Right. Um, Somebody like that. Take the title off. I don't know. Schlong. Any anything there? Any possibilities you see with any of that stuff? I have absolutely no, no idea who it could be because the one that makes the most sense if you're going away is Gresham, but he's, I don't think they've sorted out their issues. So I don't think it's going to be him. If you told me, if you want to tell me that at final battle, Jericho beats Claudio, but as when you think the show's about to end, someone's music hits and it's that guy who's whoever that ROH is guy is, and he's going to be the one to take them off on the first TV. Fine. I get it. Then that is your hook for the first TV that Jericho versus Gresham. I'm just going to say him or who, you know, it can't right. be Danielson. It can't be, it has to be someone that we have. I don't know who it would be, but it's got to be, be somebody who's going to be with ring of honor. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like I think, Oh, it could be Adam Cole, but I don't want Adam Cole with ring of honor. I want him with AEW. And like, we don't even know if Adam Cole's ever coming back. <laughs> Well, there yeah, there was a weird update on him this week that I read that made a lot of sense. We're like they're being super, 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 sure. super cautious with him because he got two concussions in a row. So they're like, this time we're not bringing you back until you're like beyond okay. But my point being though, like when I think of guys at a certain level, they're all guys. I'm like, but you work better on AEW. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who who knows? Maybe there are things sort of in the background happening with Gresham that we don't know about, right? I mean, you know, who knows? Uh, listen, all of the House of Black came back. And at one point, the rumors were none of them, you know, like with exception of Brody King, that Malachi and Buddy were done, right? So who knows? I think Gresham's the guy to take it off him and reestablish Ring of Honor. but. I don't know. Beyond him, I don't know who else it could be. You know who would be good for this conversation? Kyle K. Sparks. He would. I went to bed. The he probably did. His family. You know, uh, that also reminds me, if it, it, when Ring of Honor takes off, you know, we might have to have uh, Kyle K. Sparks on one night to just talk through Ring of Honor. I'm actually, I mean, I'm afraid to let him and Matt talk Ring of Honor together. Who's Matt? Uh, he's a friend. I wouldn't, you know, he just shows up every oh, now and again. Right, right, right. Sorry, I forgot. I'm afraid to let them talk Ring of Honor because I feel like it's going to be so in-depth that even, like, Ring of Honor fans would, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> You're right. Well, Shlong, that was a show tonight, and I thought the show was a lot of fun for the first one after the pay-per-view. <clears throat> and we'll see what happens next week. Um... You know, we've got a couple things on the hook that should be fun. We're going to hear from MJF. We're going to have our third match in the best of seven series, you know, and and they lining up a couple other things. The big news is obviously Friday uh, Rampage starts at 4 p.m. on Black Friday because of the hockey scheduling. So uh, be sure to check that out. Seems like they had a good card and maybe we'll see what happened with uh, with Dante Martin. Who knows if they'll, you know, I assume they're going to keep that in the show. There's no way. You could pull that out and still fill that hour, but we'll see. Yeah. So Schlong, a couple of uh, a couple of 
uh, news and notes, uh, just because it's been sort of a busy week with the pay-per-view and AEW. Um, one of the coolest things was after the elite make their return, uh, the next day, uh, new Japan puts out this video from Kenny Omega where he challenges Will Ospreay for the IWGP United States Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 17. That should be a great match. What was great about that promo schlong, a couple of things for me. I knew Kenny knows, I knew Kenny knew how to speak Japanese. I didn't know how well spoken he was in Japanese because half of it is in Japanese and then the other half is in English. Uh, and he says some really great stuff in that promo. So if you haven't seen that promo, uh, with Kenny basically challenging Will Ospreay, you should definitely check it out. It's on New Japan Social. But that show is really shaping up to be uh, a fantastic show. There's the World Heavyweight Championship, Jay White versus Okada. The Women's Championship, Kyrie uh, versus Tam Nakano. Uh, the U- uh, IWGP US um, Heavyweight Championship, Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. The Junior Heavyweight Championship, uh, Ishimori, Taji Ishimori versus uh Hiromu Takahashi versus El Desperado versus Master Wato. And then um, the New Japan World Television Championship Tournament Final, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Ren Narita. All of those are fantastic matches on the card. Uh, so if you are inclined, certainly check it out. And if you've never seen any of Kenny's work from New Japan, uh, you should be YouTubing any of that stuff. He had some fucking bangers in New Japan. Yeah, he did. Shlong, we also found out that Revolution, uh, the first pay-per-view next year, has been set. It will be Sunday, March 5th, at the Chase Center in San Francisco. So mark your calendars. Uh, you know, uh, there are uh, there will be a pay-per-view March 5th, Sunday, um, on probably Bleacher Report again. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, in San Francisco, California. So if you're out there or if you want to travel tickets, go on sale Friday, uh, December 9th at 10 AM Pacific time. So, uh, Shlong, we know when our next pay-per-view will be. Uh, and, um, it's going to be interesting to see how we get there with a lot in between. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what, let's see who's even around. Shlong, we also got, um, uh, a promo from Eddie Kingston. Um, after his match with um, uh, 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 Jun Akiyama, excuse me, uh, after his match with Jun Akiyama, and uh, uh, he basically uh, says that, uh, you know, he's like, I don't know what to do next. Um, I'm just not going to be what I was during the past couple months, losing my temper, stuff like that. Uh, so basically he says, um, you know, he's not going to have any more of these temper tantrums. He's going to be a little bit of a different person. And um, his dream is really to uh, to become champion uh, and do more. So should be interesting to see what comes out of Eddie Kingston. But again, Schlong, Eddie Kingston's over everywhere they go. So, yeah, I'm excited to see this next character. Yeah, I mean, that's if it is a next character or if this is, oh, I'm going to behave and then not behave at all. Sure. Well, I mean, I think that's even a character. Right. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. You mean like whether it's in the same storyline or a different storyline? Yeah. It's just an evolution of the type of, uh, you know, of persona he's had, you know, so should be fun to see what happens there. Um, and also they showed it tonight on, on, uh, on the broadcast, but, um, there were some photos of Penta, uh, at Monday Night Football in Mexico City. 
with um, George Kittle, uh, and uh, he got to meet him and uh, give him his very own luchador mask uh, that was like the uh, San Francisco 49er helmet. So pretty cool moment on a big stage for Penta in front of uh, the Monday Night Football audience. Yeah, I mean, it's good for for AEW anytime their guys get seen at that stuff. Absolutely. Schlong, um, there was also some interesting uh, social posts this past week from Andrade El Idolo that has people talking. He posted an Instagram post with a number of pictures uh, with a caption that says, I just want to say thank you. Bye. Uh, Both in English and in Spanish. Now, there have been a number of people who are interpreting this as as saying that he's done with AEW, either released or whatever. Um, but a lot of what's sort of pointed out is all the pictures Schlong had that the mask that he was wearing to the ring in it. So it was him looking at the mask, wearing the mask, and even the shirt with the mask on it. So there's people kind of split. They think half of the people think he's going back to the E. Half of the people think it's just he's saying goodbye to the mask gimmick. Um, if you had to pick Schlong, what do you think? I don't think he's going back to the E, but I don't know if it's the mask gimmick. I, I don't pay attention to him on his social media stuff. He, he does this shit all the time. Well, even when things are going good for him, he, he does weird shit on social media. So I'm like, whatever. Well, I just want to see him back on television at some point. It would be nice to see him back in the ring and especially, you know, with what they have lined up with MJF as the champ and with all this other stuff going on with Roosh and the Dark Order. Um, you know, I just want to see Andrade back on TV. So if there was an investigation, they're waiting on results. Um, you know, let's hopefully get there. Yeah. Shlong, uh, we knew Sting was going to be um, was going to be uh, at the great Muda's uh, final uh, matches uh in uh in japan uh but it has recently been announced that uh uh well muda is tagging with sting there but it has recently been announced uh that the great muda will also be tagging with darby allen in his retirement match on january 22nd um we don't know who they're facing but it's going to be sting muda and darby allen so pretty big spot for Darby Allen with a couple of legends. I mean, he's already been hanging out with Sting, uh, but he's going to be in there with Muda too. It'll be interesting to see who they're fighting. Yeah, that 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 reads to me that they need someone who can actually like take some serious bumps. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, Sting can't do everything he did, and Muda sometimes looks like he can barely move. So. Uh, Darby's going to be a bump machine for this one as well, but still a good spot to be in. And then uh, finally, Schlong, the final piece of news I have tonight is that, uh, you know, with the return of the Elite uh, this past weekend at the pay-per-view, um, uh, there's been a little bit more news about uh, sort of what happened at All Out. Um, some answers were, or some questions were answered about it on the media call before the pay-per-view and at the media scrum that followed the pay-per-view. Um, we did see being the elite return uh, this past week and Matt and Nick Jackson sort of used it to comment on the time they've been away um, as the, rec- you know, as a result of the company's sort of investigation into the brawl out uh, ordeal, they're sort of coy about what they said, but 
it was, you know, more than we had heard. And now Kenny Omega has gone on the record uh, in an interview with Sports Illustrated um, where Kenny, you know, mostly says like he can't say much, um, but he's basically asking that people, um, you know, kind of look at it in the rear view and focus on on the future. The quote he has is there are things no one can talk about, so I'd encourage people to let it go. It doesn't change. Uh, that we want a team effort in AEW. I don't even mean implicitly myself and my opponent. It also means the referee, the fans, the people who set up the ring, everyone. Even a technical error can ruin the memory of a match. I can refer back to the exploding barbed wire death match. So I encourage people to move away from it because there's no information to be released. Though I cannot talk about it, I do want the fans to know I still want to be I still want the best for pro wrestling. Um, so it's interesting. Um, you know, he's basically saying, I want people to move on and just sort of like live in the now. Um, you know, uh, and he also, you know, goes on to add a little bit more. And he said the day after the pay-per-view, I was devastated by the loss of David, uh, Jason, David Frank. He's talking about, uh, all out. Um, he's one of my childhood heroes that evening. There was a mass shooting at an LGBTQ club, where five people died. It's terrible. After such tragedy, it puts everything into perspectives. This isn't Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against CM Punk. It is people trying to show off their craft. You can boo Kenny Omega or the Bucks or CM Punk, but I hope people don't forget we're human beings struggling to show our art. So again, not saying a lot, but saying let's move on and let's, you know, just look at the future. Um, but Shlong, it's certainly been the most we've seen from anybody commenting on the situation. So it's interesting. It's Kenny as one of the EVPs. Yeah. I mean, and then of course he comes out and bites them the night. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he, listen, fans are really getting into a situation. They know very little about where they don't know any of the parties personally. And yet they take it like they're their best friends. Like just people need to relax. I agree. Schlong, we did get a question in the chat, and this will be the last thing we touch on, and then we're going to wrap this up before the holiday. Gordon Post did ask us, ultimately, who do you see taking the title off of MJF? I, I have zero fucking idea, to be quite honest. They don't, have, <laughs> they, don't, they don't have someone set up for it yet. Not only is it the fact, in my mind, that they don't have anybody set up for it, what I want to see is sort of who they envision, like what they envision this next year in AEW to be, right? Are they going to elevate some of the talent that again, like, as I said, was sort of that second rung of AEW talent, the guys that they were saying are the pillars, the Darby Allens, the MJFs, the, you know, jungle boys, or are they going to, you know, sort of keep relying on some of the, I'm going to say older talent, but the talent that we've been seeing today, you know what I mean? I think that's what's going to make this title reign and this next year really interesting because there is clearly, you know, two different paths to where that they can go over 2023. It's either we keep doing what we're doing and we're going to put, you know, like the Jericho's, the Kenny Omega's, the Hangman's, you know, and, and all these people we've seen in this picture before in the picture or we're going to elevate the Jungle Boys, the Darbies, the Ethan Pages, the Ricky Starks to this level, and we're going to have them stay there, 
you know, because they're the guys that we're going to rely on to get us through this year and also cultivate the next crop of talent. I think it's just too early to tell Gordon. I don't think we have an idea of sort of what the future is lined up, but it should be a fun fucking ride. And I envision MJF holding this title for quite some time. You don't pay a guy an increase and expect him to sit back and sort of do nothing. So I think they're just going to keep this strap to him for, for a little bit of time. I don't know about you Schlong, but I certainly see it as, as a long title run, not a stopgap. It's not a stopgap, but I don't know what, what anymore, how long they want the title runs to last. You know, I don't think they're going for the super long ones like they did Kenny, but I definitely don't see it as a stopgap. Yeah. And I think that what, I think what we have to almost remember or remind ourselves about the Kenny title run is we were in a pandemic, part of a pandemic, right? So, um, you know, coming out of that. So I think they needed to sort of keep it on somebody reliable um, to ensure that we sort of get through to the next phase. But, you know, then you get to uh, all out and you get to, uh, you know, brawl out and you see what happens. So you never know. You never know. But Schlong, it will be an interesting 2023. There's a lot left in 2022 for us to discuss here on the Mark Order podcast. Usually there's more of us, but tonight it's just the two live. It was just the two live crew. So obviously for uh, for anything that uh, Kate's involved with, you can certainly check her out on her social. She usually posts where she's going to be. We know for sure on Wednesday nights, she's normally here. Friday, she does a post show on Fightful for SmackDown and Rampage. Uh, and on Tuesday, she does an NXT post show on Sour Graps. So for those, for sure, we know you can find her. And then anything else she's involved with, uh, you can certainly check out her social. She's always uh, putting that out there. Schlong, besides eating a lot of turkey that you're smoking tomorrow, uh, what do you do when you're not normally here on Wednesday nights? Uh, live tweeting Dark and Elevation on Monday and Tuesdays at Mark Order Pod. I run the Twitter, so just interact with me. Uh, that's about it. I don't do anything else. And we'll even put over the Shining Wizards on Monday night, as Schlong was talking about it before. They just celebrated their 11-year anniversary. Again, I'm just amazed at the sheer length of mediocrity that can happen on a podcast. But give it up to those guys. 11 years. Check them out Monday nights at 7 o'clock. You can catch uh, Millionaire Matt there on Mondays. When he can be here on Wednesdays, he's here. But um, the other thing you can check out, too, is Bread Club, right, Schlong? So he does a New Japan uh, podcast called The Bread Club. Um, I think it's monthly, Schlong? Or I think it's... I think, if memory serves me correct, and you can hit up Millionaire Matt about this, I think it is monthly, and sometimes around the pay-per-views, they'll do more frequent shows to sort of build up the pay-per-view and then talk about the pay-per-view afterwards. But definitely check out the Bread Club if you're a New Japan mark, uh, because it's a it's a really great show. Of course, I'm going to put over our socials again. Find us at Mark Order Potash Long said on our Twitter, but also Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, all those places. I'll plug the stickers again. If you want some free stickers, just hit the link tree up in our social profiles. Click the button to request free stickers, and then we will send you out uh, some of said stickers as long as you give us your name, your full mailing address, and the country you live in to ensure that they get there. Uh, the other thing is we thank everybody who spent the time with us watching live tonight. 
Gordon Post, Asian Joe. I saw Jesse Ozog in here before. Kyle K. Sparks. Um, Kyle K. Sparks coming in to say hello. Uh, and uh, and everybody else, Greg Cherry. Uh, so thank you all for watching live with us tonight uh, before your Thanksgiving, if you're celebrating. Um, if you're listening in podcast form, thank you for that too. We ask all of you guys, it is the least you could do but the most we can ask of you is please, if you're watching on YouTube or maybe even if you're not watching on YouTube, head over to our YouTube, subscribe. If you watch the videos, give them a like or whatever we're doing on YouTube anymore. It all helps us on YouTube, but it also helps us on your podcast platforms. If you subscribe, like, rate, review, all that kind of stuff. So please, that helps us out immensely. If you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes to do that. Most importantly, Schlong, to you and everybody else who celebrates Thanksgiving here in the United States, have a wonderful, safe, happy, healthy Thanksgiving uh, with your friends, family, loved ones. Um, And uh, if you're shopping on Black Friday, be safe. Don't trample people for TVs and other bullshit. Enjoy the weekend. Watch wrestling. Do all that crazy stuff. Schlong. Thank you for being here tonight and have a great Thanksgiving. Have a good one, Nate. We'll talk to you all next week on episode 88. Schlong, we're getting closer to 96. Yeah. Um, so check us out next week on the Mark Order podcast where we'll talk about AEW all night long. And I mean all night, Schlong. 5 a.m. next week. Get ready. Didn't like that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll check you out next week. Turn you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.